You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And some people might be very confused uh, because that was Five Iron Frenzy. We Hmm. did them last season. I'm talking about skate punk. They're a ska band, but we're not doing any of those today. Mag Pod Studios. We could have done one of those or something. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I, I have a, uh, an intro prepared oh already for our next segment, but everybody's gonna have to wait because today we have our first guest this season. I wow. think, is that right? I don't think we've had a guest on. I mean, I mean, I guess we've had Jason on. Mm. It doesn't but- count. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> RIP Jason. What's permanent permanent team member that's true it'd, it'd be like me saying that you're a guest on the pod <laughs> yeah um when you're a producer on the pod you're you're not really a guest on the pod yeah but jason will be a guest on the pod <laughs> yes he will <laughs> oh man or not maybe not anymore after this intro mm, yeah mm, sorry <laughs> um but today we are uh joyfully welcoming mm. tyler huckabee uh editor of relevant magazine uh podcaster uh excellent twitter follow yes uh comic book fan uh Mm. just we just had an amazing conversation yeah and if you're not following uh tyler on the socials or what he's doing over at relevant you need to rectify that right now uh what a great dude what a great conversation um we're not going to do anything else today this is this is the episode, our conversation with Tyler. I don't think there's anything else we should do unless, John, you have anything you want to say about our conversation with Tyler before we get into it. Uh, I will say, Will from Common Creatives was a guest this season. Shit. Uh, slightly <laughs> different because that wasn't a full episode. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's kind of our permanent dude, too, so not quite a full guest. God, I'm an asshole. <laughs> Well, it's a little different because we've had like little guest segments versus full guest That's episodes. Like, this season. Oh, here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. Let me let me let's correct this. Okay. I feel like full on interview episodes, yeah, yeah, like have been so few and far between. It's true. And let's be real. Like after every episode, I almost black black out. Like <laughs> true. <laughs> we've done. So, we're coming up on a hundred episodes, John, yeah, and I'm like, I have a heart. <laughs> I have, I have a hard time remembering just the last few months. Yeah. This, People will sometimes reference some take we had on some album from like six episodes ago. And I'm like, if you say so. <laughs> Not yeah. ringing any bells to me. Uh, that's, I guess that sounds right. Was I yeah. an asshole? Probably. <laughs> Probably, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. Uh, this, this past, these past, you know, 15 months have just permanently made my brain into pudding i 100 percent. and you know if i if i offended someone you know a couple weeks ago i'm, I'm sorry i don't remember <laughs> yeah 
what we do remember because we just did it is our great interview with Tyler. Uh, yes. Super fun conversation, but meaning to have him on the pod for a while and, and talked about a lot of uh, really cool things. So eager for you guys to hear it. John, before we get into our conversation with Tyler, let's hear about another one of our fellow podcast uh, friends on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. And then after that, we will talk to our dude. Let's do it. I'm Avery Smith, and I'm here to invite you to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Whatever your own relationship to gender and spirituality may be, you will find yourself enriched by the stories shared by my guests, who so far have ranged in religion from Christian and pagan to Jewish, Sikh, atheist, and beyond, and have hailed from the U.S., Chile, Poland, Australia, and more. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts, or read along with episode transcripts by visiting blessedarethebinarybreakers.com. See you there. John, today on the pod, we welcome Tyler Huckabee. He is senior editor for Relevant Magazine. He has written for Washington Post, among other places, and he is the co-host of an outstanding superhero podcast, Cape Town. You can stream it and download it where you get podcasts. Tyler, welcome to Magnified Pod. It is that was one of the better like <laughs> bios. Thank you for not going over any of the, the super embarrassing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we might get there really, as the interview. Really, oh yeah, I guess so. But you really alighted over the the there's there's worse stuff you could have brought up. But yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> uh, that makes me feel very cool. I feel very affirmed coming. You know, this. we could have we yeah we normally any guests we have on we ask them for their CV. And we, we just kind of go line by line. And if yeah, there's anything yeah. questionable, we're yeah. like, there's a gap in, in job history there at all. We yeah, ask about that. Well, well, there was no like, like scooped at Cold Stone Creamery. Yeah, we, right. we, send a, true. we send a form email back. We're like, thank you for your interest in Magnified Pod. I'm sorry, but we have chosen other candidates for this position. No, it, it is really, I mean, I'm looking forward to this, especially after uh, do you, I could understand you not taking that super sincerely since I, uh, since I had to bump, we had this plan for yesterday. <laughs> We're recording this on a Friday and I had to bump yesterday and I felt very bad about that. Oh man. See, look at a the, lot this of anxiety. Is the, this, this is the thing. Like, Nobody needed to know. Like now you're like, no, but I, I felt I, like I, I got to be transparent. You you're know, kneecapping I, yourself, bro. I know. Like, I know. This is my whole thing. I just, <laughs> I just undercut myself every step. I'm trying to, I'm trying to trip myself up. No, you're it's good because off mic, we were saying, you know, the anxiety you felt as an Enneagram nine about this, uh, uh -huh. which I am as well. And we will yeah. touch on the Enneagram and possibly uh, the X-Men and the Enneagram, the MCU and the Enneagram as we go forward. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Tyler, we are, we are so psyched to finally have you on the show. Um, I've followed your writing for a long time. You, you write about culture, about faith, about politics and justice issues. Um, you obviously have deep roots in the Christian bookstore alternate universe, as we like to call it. Um, but, uh, but you also have a sense of humor about it. And, you know, that combo is sort of our core demo uh -huh. <laughs> and i just thought that it was like a, a perfect opportunity for our, our paths to kind of cross here and get into a lot of the stuff that we both care about um so to kind of kick things off 
for folks who might not know, could you tell us just a bit about your journey from sort of where you started in terms of your upbringing, your relationship to faith, um, what shaped you to who you are now and the work you're doing now? Sure. Yeah. So I am from like rural Nebraska, from like small town Nebraska. And, um, and I was very much a church kid when I was, uh, I like really just, I remember the, my, my grandpa, uh, was the, he was the music pastor at the church I went to when I was a little kid out there. And, uh, and I just, I just loved it. I really did. I was very, because it was made for people, you know, I was a young white boy at a, in a little Nebraska church. It was very much designed to appeal to me. And it did. I, I, I really enjoyed that. And, um, we moved to a slightly less rural. We moved to Lincoln when I was 12 and, Lincoln, Nebraska, the capital was, was very similar to church, which is kind of where I felt safe. I associated that with a lot of safety. The world was very strange and church made a lot of sense to me. I understood all of the rules and it wasn't until I moved to Chicago for college that a lot of the doctrine that I had been raised with from the church, from youth group culture, started to kind of run up against the realities of the Mm -hmm. world. And a lot of the questions that to me seemed very solid just didn't really work in a place like Chicago. And I lived Mm -hmm. first uh, Moody Bible where I went to school, which is extremely conservative, more conservative even than I, than the world that I came from. I just didn't really I was, I was fine there. I enjoyed my college experience there, but Chicago was so like big and fun. And there were so many people with so many experiences that just didn't jive with mine. And so the, the, I broke kind of cardinal rule that I was raised in and adjusted my understanding of theology to accommodate my experience instead of the other Mm -hmm. way around which felt very strange and kind of scary to me, but has ultimately been very rewarding over time. I lived in Chicago. I ended up, uh, after I graduated, I worked in, uh, I, I worked in, I did homeless work for a couple of years after that. Um, and then that also was an enormous adjustment in terms of my social understanding of the world and what I wanted to advocate for injustice. And it was around that time that I first connected with Relevant, started writing for them. And I freelanced for them for a long, long time. And uh, uh, yeah, then it was kind of a mishmash of things. But I think the sort of the core of the journey was me uh, living in these small bubbles of Christianity, of Christian culture, largely white, largely hem- uh, heteronormative, and then experiencing a wider world that was outside of those small bubbles. They just didn't gel, and and I could not reconcile the two together mm-hmm. until I started doing a little bit of a little more reading, a little more ha- had more curiosity about those outside worlds, and and that's the journey that you're kind of catching me on, honestly, I'm still on that one, I would say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that seems to be, at least in my experience, a fairly common Moody student progression, (laughs) where like, they come to Moody, in part for its conservative theology, but while there, whether it's because you're kind of in downtown Chicago, and it's like, not possible to not meet people of, you know, varying identities and backgrounds, like, 
by the end of this more conservative Bible college experience, most of them are thinking beyond what they originally, you know, and that, that's true for all kinds of schools, but I feel like at Moody, it's particularly an interesting journey. Well, I think especially uh, the big one, obviously is like, is like the gay kids that you meet at Moody right. who, sure. if, if yeah. you come out at Moody, you're getting, you're, you're going home. That's just right. not, that, yeah. that's not permitted at all. Yeah. And the more I saw of that and the more I, the, the more I started to, to, to really question that like, this just can't, this doesn't work. They just can't, this can't be the, I can't do this forever. I can't just keep meeting new gay friends and then kicking them out back to their homes. Right. right. Um, so that was a, a pretty fundamental part of my, when I was 18, 19 years old, part of my identity that, that fell apart. Yeah. Imagine you had to have that. You probably weren't the anomaly there that you probably were having these conversations with at least a handful of other friends at Moody. I think so. I, I think probably so. I think there would be, I think there would be probably quite a few people who'd be a little bit surprised or are surprised. I know for a fact, there are some people who are surprised about where my own journey has taken me. Interesting. Uh, my, uh, I, I have a lot of fondness for a lot of the, the, the friends that I made at Moody. I, I think what's been difficult, maybe you guys can kind of relate to this. I look back on my time at this very conservative Bible college, really pretty, um, pretty positively. I, I had a good time there. I made good friends. And what has been difficult for me is being like, well, of course you did. You were a straight white guy. You had no, there, it was designed to make you happy. Why wouldn't you have enjoyed your time there? And realizing that the, that the women, the people of color, the, mm. the queer students had very different experiences than I did has been a big part of my disconnect Yeah, because I could not, you know, I, I, I realizing how different my experience was than theirs has been very fundamental to a lot of my own disassociation from it. No, that's, I mean, that, that tracks in some ways with, I'll speak for John and I, like our, our experience with North Park in the ways that like, you know, I mean, I look back on my time at North Park and I, and yeah. I loved it. Like all of my best friends now are from North Park uh -huh. in my time there. And I've watched the, over these past 15 years, watch the way the denomination has decided to wage war on the LGBTQ community and churches who want to even skirt the line of being just like welcoming and just this, this war that the church is choosing to wage against this one single issue when that has historically not been what the denomination has been. So like trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. like hold like these two things in tension where it's like, how do I not like let that color my experience or like re uh, like recontextualize like my experience. Cause it's like, it was, it was, I enjoyed it because mm -hmm. it was, uh, and, but again, to your point, like I was not ever a queer kid at a Christian school. Right. So, um, and where I am now in terms of my, um, my theology or my political leanings or just my, how I think of human beings, you know, it's just what is different than when I was, you know, 22. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think there was a big, there was for me at least a like <laughs> pop culture was a big part of that, that switch for me, mm. which was always the danger. You know, that's what, sure. that's what focus on the family. That's what Dobson was worried about was that you let, you let those kids watch too much of the, of the media yeah. and their normalization of this stuff. And they're going to change. And I did. It, it's yeah. very true. The, as I started to realize like the, the people who I really loved on the shows that I cared about. And I'm thinking of uh, like Buffy, the vampire slayer. That's right. um, I'm thinking of definitely some of the X-Men, uh, these characters who I really identified with, or like, or just like, yeah, I didn't identify with, uh, I, I just loved them. And I realized Thinking there was no Willow place for them. Thinking of Willow. Yeah. yeah. I, I There's no place for them in the world that I lived in. And that yeah. didn't work for me. It, it just didn't. Yeah. And so I accommodated, I, I, I accommodated the mainstream culture, which I, I know is a huge problem. Tyler, but once... you had to be in the world and not of the world, <laughs> my dude. <laughs> but once I, but once I like started to feel that, yeah, that was a gateway towards me reading some more like, you know, queer theology that sure. existed, but that I just had no idea. I would have never known existed. It was yeah. not presented. It wasn't in the Moody library. You couldn't <laughs> go read this stuff. Yeah. So it was a, it, it, I had always been led to believe that this stuff was very much, if you accepted this, you were completely off the farm. Yeah. And it took these kind of prodding for me to realize there's actually a great deal of very intellectual cerebral very thoughtful academia out there mm-hmm. about all of this that's on the bottom shelf for anybody who cares to explore it it's just not you're not going to get in the sbc you know right yeah was that did that sort of pop culture awareness shift coincide with going to college like was that when you sort of knew more or was it as you were uh, just going through adolescence. Um, Buffy was huge. Yeah. For me, that was a big part of high school. Okay. And, uh, and that was, my parents were, were great and not terribly strict about what I watched or listened to. They were, I was homeschooled. So I know that comes with a lot of, uh, the stereotype is like extremely conservative in pop, pop culture sense, but I was allowed to really watch and listen to a lot of things. And, and so that was big and on, and comic books, uh, anybody who knows me knows that I love comics. And that was really huge too, because as, as very like straight and white and heteronormative as comics were, especially in the nineties, when I was coming of age and all of it, that was kind of the worst time for it, but there still were enough, uh, kind of like token <laughs> gay characters or right. or uh, or women that made me that really ran up against the the narrative that I was being handed from stories like Wild at Heart or Driscoll that made me question that just mm-hmm. felt more real than what I was getting and kind of pulled me that sort of the drift I'd say the the creep sure yeah I, uh... yeah it's it's because it's they're a lot of the char- characters they're not caricatures they're not they're not created you know willow was not the stereotypical lesbian character no you know exactly she, she yeah. was any nerdy friend that you had in high school and these this wasn't like some sort of 
evil promiscuous person trying to like uh you know like uh what's that uh that guy's name who like thinks gay people are trying to recruit you and um oh man you know, where to begin i know uh, where to begin but i was anyway yeah anyway it's just like uh yeah i think that's what you you're talking about with like with dobbs and just the, yeah. like the second you start I mean, they're like they're worried about like th- these people being humanized because once you start seeing them as just like yeah oh a, a person rather than just some sort of like uh, a threat or somebody to be scared of then it's just like oh they're just it's just they're just a person that's it yeah and i think there was this idea that any gay person who was in media like willow uh was part of the gay agenda the, uh-huh. that was the word i kept, I kept thinking and it yeah. never occurred to these people that an exclusively straight cast is that part of a straight agenda <laughs> to make sure like that was somebody pointed that out i think like uh and i was and uh, that was like a early like 15 year old like like get like mind blown gif like the whoa the straight yeah. agenda i never even <laughs> considered that it really threw right. me for a loop but i'm so glad for those experiences and i'm so glad for the people who were very patient with a very young dumb tyler huckabee who was <laughs> who was extremely close-minded mm-hmm. and were able to coach me forward a little bit at a time and and have ultimately led me to a place that i'm i'm uh i have sort of a low grade <laughs> grief about the world and the role that christianity that my own uh culture has played in it but sure. much more confident in my own uh theology and the inclusiveness that it's led me to mm. Yeah. One thing that I've said a few times on the show as we've talked about our sort of experience in college was like, so I, I majored in biblical and theological studies because I like uh-huh. wanted to get some black and white answers. I was like, let's get oh, some, some firm footing. I'm tired yeah. of kind of like, you know, nuance. I, you know, not that I was like bigoted in my approach to that, but just feeling like I needed yeah. to actually like really dive into the word and like, you know, have this firm footing, but the more that I actually study, of course, the grayer it gets and the more nuanced it becomes. Yeah, 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 totally. And just learning to, my theology and my understanding of God grew so much bigger when I learned to embrace the mystery and not have that be a negative, but have it be something that reflects positively about my faith understanding. So anyway, I resonate with that. Has embracing the mystery that that's I, I love that phrase, but I find it practically very hard to know what that means for me. Like, sure. I, I I really enjoy the idea of it, and it feels like kind of a like when I was in college, Blue Like Jazz from Don Miller was a very big deal, and mm-hmm. I, I would imagine North Park it was as well. And that was mm-hmm. the time where being we're embracing doubt and being okay with uncertainty became a big thing but i feel like i'm still kind of struggling with the, what that even means to know how to sure. rest in that and i don't know if you guys have any well i've gotten better at that than i have almost anybody could because uh, i feel like i'm pretty bad at it yeah i think it was the theologian nightcrawler who said it best <laughs> when he yes. said you know what kind of god would let man or no that was wolverine what kind of god <laughs> would let man do this to me and he said our ability to understand god's purpose is limited but we take comfort in the fact that god's love is limitless uh we'll father get wagner later. father wagner that's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> one of the lesser known saints you, you know you know um, you know the way to you know the way to my heart <laughs> but Piece i do think cake. that there's there is something to that just in the sense of look, you might not ever get, you know, 
there's never not going to be books of the Bible that uh, don't contradict each other. And there's never going to be one clear answer on what this sort of theological tenet is, but there is, there is the clearness of, um, you know, the like gospel mandate to love one another and that yeah. God's love is limitless. And I have enough to sort of rest on that idea and let that be enough. I guess that's sort of what I'm thinking when I say the mystery is sort of like, I can't sort of um, do an exegesis on, on every piece of scripture that I get a hang up on, but I'm like, well, I, I know that God is love and that's sort of enough. And I don't need to, I don't know, come up with a perfectly worded articulation of that. And, and I thought I needed to when I was younger, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But anyway, if you have other stuff to say about that, feel free. But I, I was just like, that was kind of my, my own evolution theologically. I don't think I do. It's something that I, I have grown. So I think that we already discussed how I'm an Enneagram nine. Yes. Nines are very, I, I think it's very difficult for me, at least I'll speak personally to know what that, to have any sort of like moral certainty or clarity around, yeah. uh, around certain situations. And so I've always found myself very attracted to people who do have a lot of moral certainty, people who right. know what mm -hmm. the right and wrong thing to do is in right. a given situation. Cause yeah. I never feel like that. And mm. uh, I've, and I associated that when I was young with being a good Christian, good Christians mm. know what the morally, you know, they have a very black and white mentality <laughs> And yeah. as I've grown in my own spiritual journey, I felt less and less clear about that, but I have retained that very, um, uh, that intrigue from anybody who knows how to do that. And so, I, so that's what I'm trying to find, figure out these days, the balance of embracing the mystery of spirituality, knowing that we will never know everything, yeah. but also having a strong sense of justice and, yeah. uh, and being, being very clear on when those lines are being crossed in our society and, and certainly in my own personal life as well. And I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult as you, as you go through what they call now that deconstruction process to, mm -hmm. to continue to, you know, call that shit out. Yeah. 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 Was it, I mean, are you, do you have an eight wing or a one wing? I do have an eight wing. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I have a one wing and I feel like uh -huh. it's a pretty strong one. So like, I feel that sort of, uh, you know, back to the, the comic characters, Captain America as a one, he's got the, he's got the right and wrong. He's got it figured yeah. out the moral yeah. line. And I feel like that colors my sort of nine perception of the world sometimes where it's like sure. when there's the sort of right and wrong that must be sort of called out but you know that's complex as well I and mean, when we have other it is cap questions we'll we'll <laughs> get right. into along those lines later i'm ready <laughs> um you know but, i'm a i'm an enneagram four so i just okay stare into the darkness and the void <laughs> scarlet witch style <laughs> i just i just here. i don't necessarily the hand move the yes. fingers like moving mm -hmm. around little like designs yeah i don't, cool. I don't necessarily cool. have any have any of the answers but i just feel super emo about it <laughs> I mean, totally fair position um but you know speaking of of pop culture perhaps before yeah. buffy as a kid i know you were heavily into the CCM world. Um, 
can you talk a little bit about what your relationship was to CM growing CCM growing up? I mean, I know you uh, you wrote a fan letter to Carmen, I believe. Uh, <laughs> oh, you did do so some research. <laughs> that, that's probably worth unpacking. Yeah, I did. yeah. So CCM. So my so I grew up in this little town. Um, and my mom's parents, my grandma and grandpa also lived there and they had this little Christian bookstore. It was called Treasures of the Heart uh, and it is no longer there. RIP uh, to Treasures of the Heart. But, uh, but Treasures of the Heart was, you know, they had all the, the, the books and the, the paintings, the, the, the painter of lights the, there was all Thomas the, Kincaid. You, you can, you can see, you can see it in your mind. It's, it was yes. small. <laughs> And then they had the wall of CDs, the like top 40 Christian. Yeah. And in my, we're talking, we're talking DC talk, Cademan's call. Uh, I was a little too late for the Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, but my parents were very much into, into okay. that. So that they were part of my home growing up. And yeah, it was my, like, that was my musical other kids had, uh, you know, whatever they were, uh, Ace of Base, and, and I was listening to, to Cademan's. And, um, and it was not, in my mind, like, I was not the kid who was like, I just got to get out of this town. Like, I, mm-hmm. I need, to, I'm made for more. That was not my world. I was very happy <laughs> being a, a little CCM dork. And in fact, didn't even know that there was, I didn't really care for the world beyond it for most of my life, but I would work at my grandparents store and they would pay me in CDs. And so I was extremely into DC talk, um, was extremely into, uh, I love jars of clay. Actually, I'm just coming to this podcast from hanging out with one of the jars of clay guys. I've gotten to meet a lot of my childhood heroes kind of on their own ends of the deconstruction situation. Right. Um, but He's written for relevant a few times, right? They, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these different guys, guys. have, okay. have uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of them have appeared in relevant at this point. The Switchfoot yeah. right. guys, who, who I also really loved, obviously, and then later on, Reliant K, MXPX, uh, who are more in your, and then Five Iron was enormous for me and so many Christian kids because it was the first like little bit of resistance to the popular narrative you were getting really that was what five iron represented for me um that that just blew my mind wide open yeah so you had contemporary christian music which is what i was raised in and then you kind of had the i guess it was ccm we don't really there were never really subcategories but once i started getting into a little more of the um the tooth and nail scene even some of the forefront guys that was a pretty big game changer. Yeah, that was, and I'm grateful I mean, for it. Yeah, totally. One one thing that Andrew and I talk about a lot on the show is like, so our first season of the, of the pod was dedicated to MXPX. Second was Five Iron, and for both mm-hmm. of us, it was like these were bands that gave permission to sort of question society, the church, like all these different sort of isms. And I think once that door is opened, like you can kind of keep going along that path. But 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 I think the reason Five Iron was so huge for us and for so many people was like they were part of the world, but they were not going with the company line and were willing yeah. to sort of encourage you to to look at yourself and look at the communities you're part of and ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Question very... like the... yeah. go ahead. No, uh, you know, just the that first five iron record, you know, talking about 
Native American genocide, manifest destiny, yeah. and then questioning patriotism and questioning the like just questioning the even the the Christian scene, like the punk scene, and like just like some of the stuff, like you said, it was just sort of mind blowing and and that that sort of as John said, that that permission to be like it felt like is this okay can can you do this yeah. and and some and i think that's what a lot of uh conservative christian thinkers were afraid of that like encouraging to sort of like broaden your worldview of like to incorporate other uh experiences and identities and and narratives and some of these narratives were not part of the standard CCM company line as, as, as uh, John said. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a real, um, I think the fear for a lot of the, the like youth pastors was that they start questioning one thing, they'll start questioning everything. Like you pull one card out of the house and the whole thing comes tumbling down I think that's a valid fear. <laughs> I think that the the evangelical world is built on a pretty fragile foundation, and <laughs> and the the reason you can't start questioning it, uh, you start you, you start pulling at any thread on it, and pretty soon the sweater is all the way unraveled, and yeah. that's why why bands like Five Iron were genuinely so dangerous uh, in a good way. They yeah. they led to an enormous amount of awakening in me. It, it was a confluence of things, but hearing those calls come from inside the house is it's a pretty big yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a relatively scathing indictment of the church if a third wave ska punk band <laughs> could just like bring down the entire infrastructure of of the evangelical church. If you're just like you know, where do you, where do you begin? You know, you get, start with five iron and then like everything's unwrapping. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is the, the whole, like, it was always, it was even like taught to us as an argument, like, well, the, why question the Bible? Because when we start questioning the Bible, everything else falls apart. Like, well, that's worse. Right. right. Uh, like you see how that's worse. That, yeah. That's not a good, that, that's, no, that's not, not a good a argument. And it's like, yeah. you know, like it, to me, it, it's, it's like, you know, you start questioning everything. It's like, okay, why, why don't you want me, why don't you want me to question things? Yeah, yeah. What are you not telling me? Right. What answers are you afraid I'm exactly. going to find? <laughs> the, what are you not telling me thing? And you tell a 14 year old, what do you mean? We don't ask about that. It, it just feels like telling somebody not to touch a hot plate. It's a very yeah, right. alluring and it, and it stuck with me for, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you know, your wording around it was like the evangelical structure is what will fall, not somebody's relationship to God or relationship to Jesus. Like, I don't doubt that those people are coming from a place of believing the way to God is through that structure, but it is, as you're saying, Andrew, pretty damning that it's like, well, are we protecting what we've built here for ourselves or yeah. are we protecting your relationship with God? And those are perhaps distinct things. And for different people, it's gone different ways. I know like my experience was my own. And, and honestly, I feel very like, I feel very comforted by my relationship with God these days. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and very like, it's, it's a core part of who I am as a, 
person. Uh, I really, mm. I love being a Christian. I, I really do. People doubt that when I say that, and I know Christian doesn't have the best brand in America right now. <laughs> uh, but, but I really love being a Christian and, uh, and I don't know why it went different for me than it does for some people who, who just lose. I don't know, but, um, I understand the people who decided they just couldn't do Christianity. Like the, like they were just over Christianity. I completely get that. And I don't judge those people at all. I, my journey just ended up being different and I've just found a, a version of it that I feel like is a little truer and purer and has been much more rewarding for my own life, for my family's life, for me and my wife's life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, before you maybe reached that point on your journey though, what were some of your favorite bookstore cultural <laughs> items or pieces of ephemera? I mean, I know you're, you're an Adventures yeah. in Odyssey head. Uh, well, yeah, uh, when I was a kid, Adventures in Odyssey was a big deal. Mr. Whitaker was a very big deal. Sure. Uh, I remember this was my thing. And I don't know if this is anybody else's thing. This could have been a totally, I don't know if this is a universal experience, but the back of the little Christian bookstore that I went to had like two little like boombox situations with the headsets, like the yeah. just the headphone, just the cheap, like like probably nine ninety nine from Best Buy headphones plugged into the aux, and they had all the sample, like probably a hundred sample CDs that were there ready to go, and you could just go back and listen to them. And I spent that that was my Spotify pre Spotify. I just loved going through those. Yeah, uh, that's where I found uh, Plum was a big deal for me. Really loved mm. Tiffany Arbuckle and Plum. A lot of Sixpence. Who was mm. that? Was the Sixpence was kind of weird. Like the lyrics were very poetic and way more intellectual than a lot of stuff I was listening to, which was really interesting. Pod Pack Two Seventeen. Um, uh, definitely Stave Saker, and then kind of a little bit later on, Blindside became nice. enormous. About a Burning Fire was was yeah. so important to me, yeah. and that was at that point I was getting like later on in high school and was listening to a little more like. I was dating girls who were listening to cooler music. So I feel like I needed to catch up a little bit just to (laughs) a dateable, like a a dateable boy on the scene. Uh, But I was still listening to a lot of Christian hardcore and that stuff at the time. Yeah. I didn't want to like, you know, in, in the year 2000, like, you know, roll up uh, to some girl and like pick her up on a date or something and be like listening to Free at Last by DC Talk in your car or something. You know, it's a jam. Hey, it's no, a jam. No, it's a I'm, jam. It is a jam. In fact, uh, but it kind of set, but it kind of immediately says, we're not even going to hold hands tonight. That's no, the I most haven't. Thing. Yeah, it's like it literally says, I don't, I don't, I don't want, want your, I don't well, want your sex like, for now. Like, this is a perfect segue not... because a member of DC Talk gave you some advice along these lines that's yesterday true. on Twitter. That's you should true. Tell people yeah, this. yeah. The, the king, the, the king. I got to give that, give a shout out to Kevin Max, yes. who is a member of DC Talk. Far and away, the coolest member of DC of DC Talk 100%. has always been hundred percent. <laughs> nothing but love for toby mac michael got you know you you had it you had your time in your place um <laughs> friend of the, friend of the pod <laughs> um but uh but 
Kevin Max is kind of an internet friend. And uh, so I, I went, I went on, a, I went on the, 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 you know, the lamest kind of a date with my wife last night. I'm a wife guy, a hundred percent, big, big time wife guy. We had a great time. It was so much fun. We went out for the first time, like post COVID, we had like a real date mm-hmm. to a restaurant we had not been to before. It was so much fun. And I just, I just sent out a, I just shot out a tweet that we were doing this thing. We were going on a date and asked for any advice. And what did Kevin say? Kevin Max responded to the tweet and said, it's, it's, it's I like, don't want it out of one speaker or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that was it. It's the best. Uh, what a good album. What a good dude. What a good, what a good dude. What a great jam. Did Truly you, uh, the best did she, song about did, not wanting to have sex. The greatest incel anthem of yeah. all time. Oh, far We've away. covered some of those this season. Uh, um, yeah, that one's the king. Did she impress this brother with a life of virtue? <laughs> I was, I was, you know. Did she back up was, off of less the, of that the, zest? The ring, the ring is on, so that that part of okay. the dance is over. Yeah. But, sure, but, sure. Uh, but safe is the way they say to play. Then again, my, safe ain't safe at all today. But my wife Liz Riggs so is a one hundred percent very virtue. She's virtuous in every way. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh man, I don't even I, remember what we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about uh, DC talk. Talking oh, about. Yeah yeah well, ccm tokens yeah, yeah all of that stuff was like very i i really and when i go back to it now which occasionally i'll just what was i thinking at that time i i'm not i'm really not embarrassed by it anymore i was for a while but it's it's part of my story now and some of it i even i even can really admire and like i said you guys become friends and yeah via my work at relevant i obviously professionally interact with some of them quite a lot now and have had some pretty negative experiences but for the most part they've been pretty positive i think a lot of them have kind of grown up as well and have their own spiritual journeys that feel very um they've kind of mirrored my own in a lot of ways and we have a mutual understanding about that was a time in our lives they were creating it i was consuming it and now it's 2021 man yeah it, we're different almost without fail when we've talked to an artist or a member of one of these bands we've discussed today they've been like yeah those were some bummer lyrics we wrote like <laughs> everyone has an evolution and most of us have landed in a similar place yeah we were all part of this world and we're all trying to make sense of it um yeah and they had the unfortunate job of creating that, which I'm not right. jealous of. That right. that sucks. You know, but I'm not. But they 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 got paid. Yeah, right. I don't yeah. resent them for that. I it's easy for me to not resent them because I was not one of the people who was disenfranchised by the work they were doing. Right. But but I really don't blame anybody who had to do their, who was just trying to make a living and keep their career going. Cause that you, yeah. that's, you have to do that in this country and it's hard. So it's where yeah. you ended up. You know, we've had this conversation. We, we talked about it a little bit um, when we covered Ace troubleshooter a couple, uh-huh. you know, like a month or so, two months ago. Um, and, you know, John Warren, who was just like, just like the coolest dude and and we and i was talking about you know how he, he talks about like some of the lyrics he just looks back on and he's just like ah oh, man and i'm like and and so like we try and like hold that balance of like critiquing what's being said while recognizing that's like i 
held these same beliefs and positions when I was 15 years old. And I just was fortunate enough to not have a record deal to tell everybody right. about my right. bad idea, my, my bad thoughts and my debt, my bad, uh, you know, philosophies about, about culture and women and, and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had a record deal, I would have put out so many uh, terrible takes for all the world to be able to listen to forever. And, and that sucks. And you're right. It's like, it's hard to, and when you think about like a lot of these young white men growing up in these youth group cultures, these church cultures, they're, they didn't come to these ideas on their own. Like these, they're taught these ideas. And so they're, they're like 16 year old kids writing these songs that get put onto albums and the certainty that with which they like profess these things. Uh, I mean, that is, that is what is they're told that that's what they're supposed to think. And so they regurgitate that. And then as you know, they go on, they're just like, Oh, that's maybe not the best take in the world. And, mm-hmm. and, and so like we try and hold that balance on the pod of being like, Hey, this, this song was written uh, 25 years ago. And this person was a legit child when they wrote this song. Yeah. So yeah, uh, um, it's, 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 it's tough. It's a tough look, uh, but it is heartening when you talk to people, um, you know, like a, like a Reese Roper or a John Warren and, and you're right. just like, okay, you're, you can like watch their evolution in a lot of ways. And um, just watching Reese's evolution over the years is just like, uh, just outstanding to see like some of the stuff that he was writing back in in 1996 in 2021 he's even more fiery he's still he was. he's continued to grow it, it yes. was not the end of his journey it was which isn't that's not a a lot of people don't continue and it's been inspiring for me you know yeah to see some of those people who have continued to hold new opinions and change and yeah. I think disagreeing with something that was very, it's why I have, I, I say this with a lot of reservations um, because I know how much this person's work hurt people. Um, and, and so I want to be, I want to be cautious and how I want to preemptively kind of say that and be cautious about how I approach this. Uh, but I, I've tried to hold a little bit of grace in my own heart for Josh Harris as he was reckoned with the I kiss dating goodbye right. thing, which caused an enormous amount of damage, particularly yes. for women. Um, and and he, I think, has tried to acknowledge that and will probably spend most of his the rest of his life in a sort of a position of apology for what yeah. he did there. Yeah. Um, but kind of like you said, he was a kid when he wrote this book and the people who enabled him to write this. That's and that to me who again, gave him permission. Those people absolutely should be held yeah. accountable for what they did for reading this and being like, Yeah, give this to the put put this in the hands of teenagers of today right. for sure. That was that was a terrible idea. Um and I'm glad he's apologizing. I think he should apologize. I don't think there's any, but I, but I understand that he came from an environment where this sort of thing was encouraged, applauded, yeah. allowed, and he did not have the wherewithal as a 
schooler to say, maybe I'm not the person who should be accepting the mantle of the romance Christian romance genius of my generation. Under no circumstances should he have been given that level of authority. It's absurd. It's, it's a joke. He was a child who was married for like all of like a year before yeah. that first book came out. He was not married when that first book came out. He wasn't, he wasn't married he was yet. A single, he was a single man when I guess Danny Goodbye came out. Then he got married and what Boy was Meets it? Girl. Boy Meets Girl. Was, yeah, I think so, yeah. Whatever that was called. Yeah. And now he's, uh, and now, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't say this with any sort of like, joy or glee because i i too am divorced like but now i think he's he's divorced true um and i i just feel like i know plenty of people who got married young and things are great um but i think that within the church this idea of that we put we emphasize sort of the marriage relationship versus understanding our our individual our individual selves and like trying to be like okay well what is it that i want and because the church doesn't encourage singleness because if you're if the if you're single for too long you're especially with women there's something wrong with you yeah. and and like your your greatest purpose should be to be partnered and to have children and you know and so like the this idea of like trying to understand yourself that is not necessarily encouraged within the within evangelical circles and i feel like you know for for josh uh having that level of power like i i mean at that young age oh my god i can't imagine yeah what that what that kind of what that does to you and and the pressure to like have an answer and like i i gotta imagine that the, there's had to have been stress that was put on that relationship and the transition of of that stress probably went to his relationship and oh, sure. i just yeah. can't imagine like and as the years went on the the stress of like was this a good thing that i did and is this was this the right call and have i evolved beyond this relationship you know there's just so much there's just so much there and yes i too have a significant amount of compassion for him as an individual while recognizing that the perpetuation of of purity culture that he was a part of absolutely devastated so many people yeah so yeah it, it exactly is attention it. it's attention and he was like many of us were and, and like i have been in uh, points in my own life a vessel for the things that he was handed and yeah. was given a platform that was that was very beguiling obviously for him as a as a young person or, or anybody yeah. when offered a, the ability to have their to make money and have influences is probably going to take it <laughs> um but i as i've seen sort of the journey he's been on since i've i've been understanding 
And, uh, but I, I see this with a lot of compassion for the people who've been very, very hurt and have their own relationships and their own lives really hamstrung by ICA stating goodbye and the impurity culture at large. Cause I know that's been devastating. It's been difficult in my own life and difficult in my wife's life. And obviously very difficult for, for many women and men, uh, in, in America. I don't know what we're going to do about it. No, just see the, any previous episode of magnified pod where I will (laughs) most likely talking about, uh, being weighed down by any any amount of uh, sexual shame that I have carried <laughs> carried through much of my life, uh, yeah. And I wasn't yeah. even the target market for that kind of shit, you know. <laughs> like I still, but there was I, I I'm sure as somebody who had like was in that book, the bookstore scene. Do you remember the uh, the Every Man's Battle book series? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like I remember sitting in the in the bookstore and just like reading that like trying to secretly read that because of just how the unbearable weight of guilt that i i was dealing with with you know just lust and sexual shame and it's just like it just beat me down no pun intended you know <laughs> but you know it's just still it was just like uh it's yeah it's just it, it, it i carried that into my late 30s i'm still like I'm, I'm no longer affiliated with the church and haven't been for, you know, almost eight years now. And it's still the, the wounds, the wounds are deep and they carry, you carry them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think that those are wounds. I, as I've been listening to, uh, to, well, uh, great singer songwriter, Lucy Dacus, um, who was like one third of boy genius with Phoebe Bridgers, Right. And, uh, and, uh, Julian Baker, she put out a song a couple of days ago. It's called VBS. Did you guys see, yes, did you guys see did that? See this. Yeah. No, there's been kind of a recent rush of, I feel like singer songwriters, particularly women who have been deep chronicling their experiences growing up in church, mm-hmm. uh, not super positively, I wouldn't say so far. You right. don't see a lot of like, I went to youth group as a kid and it made me the woman I am today. Right. It was it's not that thing. Um, but Similar Lucy Dacus' right? yeah. song VBS, which which is really good, is about that church camp. It's about that church camp romance, the like meeting somebody and dating somebody who you meet at a summer youth group camp situation. And her reflection on that is how much the spiritual part of that kneecaps you uh yeah it makes you and you don't know at that age how to separate your hormones from god so it all kind of blends swirls together and it's very confusing and you're just you're, you're so horny that you just want to die and you and you but you make that part of also like maybe this is like the love of god that's influencing me it, it's awful it's really really terrible and that song brought me back to that point and helped remind me of just how much I know it's church culture at large, but I think it really is something particular to youth group culture in particular that can really um, hobble uh, teenagers on their development, especially their like relational sexual development because 
you have a bunch of youth pastors who themselves are in their young 20s are in <laughs> no way equipped to be teaching teenagers about how to deal with like as we've seen many many times uh it it's it is created uh, it's it's done a lot of harm it's done a yeah. lot of harm for people and i have you, think have you we read need a, to get rid of that have you read um pete holmes's comedy sex god yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he talks about that very early on in in the book just like you know these volunteers are teaching the answers and the mysteries of the universe to impressionable young kids and you know and you know down the street they're like protest parents are protesting something at one of the public schools and it's like do you not see like the disparity between these two things like you know like and like these kids are being taught like like all these checklists about like how far is too far within like your yeah. relationships and it's like you're just giving all these kids complexes <laughs> about like their bodies being wrong and uh it's it's tough and and so like you 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 think about like I was going back to Joshua Harris for a second like there had to have been moments where he was either making shit up on the spot because he didn't know like he had to be he (laughs) had to he had to have an answer like how often Uh like if you're an authority how often is it okay to be like i I don't i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't have an answer there's probably this pressure to be an ant having a like you know kind of looping in marvel like i remember seeing tanahasi coates speak and people were asking him questions about like like so what do we do about this thing in education what do we do about this thing in politics and he's like i don't i i'm a journalist i don't know you yeah. ask somebody who works in education yeah. ask somebody like like and i love that model of being able to say i i'm a writer i don't you need to like go to somebody else and like just that level of humility that like doesn't exist in in a framework where certainty is what they're selling. Yeah. Coates is great at that. And it was the first time I've seen that modeled in somebody who I consider to be an extraordinarily intelligent, thoughtful person. Yes. And it has really changed, you know, in addition to the many ways that he has changed my life, because I'm indebted to Coates in many ways. Uh, Seeing him say so many times, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. I, I would have loved to see that modeled growing up more because i think it really would have changed my life in important ways and i hope to model that for other people too you know Mm -hmm. that kind of reminds me of like one of the things that he kept getting asked on uh press tours especially for between the world and me was like so where do you find hope in this and he's like i'm not a pastor like a yeah a pastor or like um somebody who specializes in hope might answer that he's like i wrote a book about the situation of the world and i'm not here to give you hope so yeah i think that's kind of a profound like shifting of how we look at this stuff too Um, because he could have made it up you know nobody would have called him out on that nobody would have said bullshit you don't have hope about this he absolutely could have but his commitment to authenticity was was to me meant a lot and yeah and and it would have been shared a million times right. by woke oh. white people on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And like, look at this, look at this hope. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. no, he's like, in a way he's been like, I'm not going to give 
the white people the hope like there's still work needs to be done like there's a lot of shit that needs to be done i'm not going to give you that hope because it's like it'll make it'll make you feel better it's like i'm like i love that i love him for that yeah uh what do you think about the announcement that he's going to write the new uh, superman movie i can't wait (laughs) it's gonna be rad um i'm excited for that yeah I feel like I'm sure, yeah, there's so much uh, toxicity, particularly around DC stuff. So that'll be a whole minefield, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for what that if might anybody can handle it. If anybody can get me excited about it, it's Tana yeah. Helsico. It's on a Superman movie. Agreed. Um, so kind of along the lines of, you know, we're talking about 90s artists, 90s culture, where they felt the need to sort of... Um, give certain answers or, or, or clear lyrics, uh, because they had been told these answers. Uh, you did a, uh, a story on the top 10 CCM songs of the nineties that still slap. Um, <laughs> and I think we need to unpack a few of those, uh, for, for our it. purposes here. Um, so one of them is five irons dandelions, mm-hmm. and you already talked a bit about your relationship to five iron, but could you Explain a little more about why you felt like that song was was one of the 10 to include. Sure. I could have picked a number of Five Iron songs. Sure. Um, uh, Every New Day felt a little obvious, sure. but I do love that song. Dandelion felt to me... Um, I think that one landed because it came for me during the age of like John Eldridge, Wild at Heart, that whole thing, sure. where men I, I think most people who listen to this probably know what i'm talking about but like christian men were supposed to be christian men and we right. we show love to god by camping and, <laughs> and i had and i i had a i loved that um and i, I do enjoy camping sure but um but hearing somebody sing a song about giving god flowers and in that and i think this is important uh relating god to a woman in that song like god is the mother very much the mother in that song to me was very strange and was very revolutionary Hmm. and i think the i mean the the melody holds up i think is great but i i the humility portrayed in that has remained pretty important to me over time. Um, Cause I think that's one of the first things to go in a lot of deconstruction processes for people is that concept of being uh, of, uh, of understanding your own sin and identifying as a person who is a sinner. And that is stays something that is pretty core to who I am in the middle of my own deconstruction journey. And that is core to the dandelion song as well. So that's why I picked that one. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's, that's another thing that we talk about a lot for why not only we responded to them as kids, but why we still love their stuff. Why it's one of the bands that really holds up is because he so often pointed the finger at himself rather than at others. Um, And how that positioning a song, whether you intend to like sort of, you know, explicitly talk about the gospel in a song or not positioning it around questioning yourself rather than having it be judgmental is so much better of a way to respond to this oh, yeah. message you're trying to talk about. Yeah. It, Those it, are the it, songs 
that rarely hold up when you go back and listen to them as an adult, where you just be like, uh, you know, you listen to some of those early MXPX, and this is a line that we reference all the time. It's like, it's in God, it's in God's book, but he don't want to look. It's like <laughs> when you're like a high school kid and you're like, I have all the answers. Like, all right, guy, uh, calm down. Like, just maybe a little bit more self-reflection uh, rather than just uh-huh. like, like I've got it figured out. Why don't you, why won't you just listen to me? Why won't you listen to me? I'm trying to evangelize. It's like, eh, well, which is maybe. what he was hearing from the youth pastor, right? Like that yeah, exactly. is, he was just parroting the party line. Exactly. So it's, exactly. so it's not, it doesn't absolve. It, that's not an absolution. Uh, yeah. Cause that's just what George W was doing with the WMDs, but, but it is a, but it is a, uh, I understand it. It's what it's the exact same lyrics. I would have been writing if yes. Tupinia had come to me and said, given me a record contract, which thank God almighty. They did. <laughs> oh man. I, I would like to hear. Plenty. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, we've heard plenty of teenage us. I want to hear teenage Tyler's. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, another one of those top 10 is Estevan by Goaty hook, uh, which yeah. is the next band that we're covering this season. So can you talk about your, your relationship to them or to that album or song? Nope, I can't. I'm afraid because this album, this this list was co-written with uh, my with my colleague Jesse Carey, who is go. great and would be very good on this podcast. And I hope you get him, but okay. but he was the one who picked that. And I actually have almost no relationship with Goaty. No Goaty Hook. Okay, yep. that's you had said like skate punk wasn't really your vibe, and I'm like, but you got Goaty Hook on here, man. No, so. no, it, it's true. It, I really penalty box uh, and, yeah. and all of that was very much not my. I'm more of a skater now than i was sure. then yeah. i've actually actually skate quite a bit these days but it was cool. not part of my high school vibe sure what about uh Waterdeep? was that yours or his now i think that was his but i do okay. know but Waterdeep i did listen to i i have at least a little bit of a relationship there uh, interesting they were, cats yeah i i was really them in, in in college that kind of like folky stoner vibe but from the christian uh-huh. scene was one i appreciated at the time um but did you ever go to, uh, we ask every guest who's like got any Illinois connection to this, but did you ever go to Heart and Soul Cafe in the Chicago suburbs? <laughs> I know Heart and Soul Cafe, okay. but I have not ever been there. No. Okay. I, I know exactly I, what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yes. Waterdeep perform there multiple times. So that anyway, just checks out in every way. <laughs> it, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like, I feel like Waterdeep was kind of, we got from them what maybe other people got from like, I don't know, violent femmes or something like that. It, it, sure. hmm. it was a, it was a very like, if I was getting high in college, which I was not, <laughs> uh, then it would have been a, then, then water the would have been the like, yeah, yeah. man, uh, God just loves everybody. It, it felt, <laughs> it felt right. I remember one of my friends, like genuinely asking me as we were listening to water Leap, like, do you think they do smoke weed? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. And they were kind of like, wow, I don't know. Hard to say what's going on there. <laughs> but, uh, Plum, another song, yeah. yeah, to discuss, right? Yeah. yeah, I want, yeah, I, uh, you, so you had stranded by plum. I'm assuming that was yours since you talked about. So, um, I saw plum and jars of clay play together. It probably had to have been after this first, their the their first two albums, their first albums came out, 
Um, but like I I didn't really listen to a lot of Plum back then. But uh, is it just me, or is there a did did Michelle Branch rip off Stranded? I feel like Michelle Branch's song uh, Everywhere is one hundred percent a like carbon copy of that Stranded song by Plum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're giving a little bit of a. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, hang on, whoa, like I'm, I'm throwing, you're giving me a, you're throwing me for a loop here. Uh, but what, which one came first? Stranded by Plum by two years. Well, sounds like just we need to get some lawyers on the phone. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, where are you? Yeah, let's let's. Uh, they need to lawyer up. You know, come go go after all that Michelle Branch money. <laughs> yeah, I've I've also my my I, I love Plum and I do love that song. I love Stranded. I got love from Michelle Branch, by the way, too. So no no, I'm, I'm not trying to throw any shade at Michelle here. I think that something that I really as I've with relevant, I've interviewed a lot of like young singer songwriters and uh, I've interviewed a lot of young women singer songwriters in CCM who have talked about how important Tiffany Arbuckle was to them as a mentor. Interesting. Um, and how much she encouraged them and supported them and helped them fight for their own like worth and value and money uh, to get like, and that has really improved my assessment of them after the fact when you hear about somebody good in that industry, it, it obviously goes a long ways. And I've heard her many times talked about, many people have talked about how valuable she was to especially young women coming up in that industry. So I've got a lot of love for Plum. And I think that, uh, I think Candy Coated Water Drops, I, I, I think that was a really good slept on album that was really, uh, it, it was held back by a lot of, there, there was a lot of stuff going on. I think with the label at the time that was difficult for them. It didn't get quite the marketing push that it deserved. Who was, I, who I, were I, they on? It was what? What label were they on? They were, oh, it was not essential. Um, I mean, it's not, not like, I don't, I don't know. know. If, I, I can't off. remember off the dome. I can't remember. That's right. I don't know the drama. I don't know the full. I don't. This, I don't have a VH1 behind the music thing ready to go, but I am aware <laughs> that there were some struggles with with that between them and the label at the time. It was essential. Was it essential? Okay, yeah. never mind then. Not doesn't have the best reputation for giving up up and coming CCM artists a really great deal at that time. Mm. Mm. You're saying shady things were happening on Christian record labels. In the I, 90s? Would that, I don't believe well, you. I, was I don't not, believe you. Somebody who was never signed. <laughs> sure fair enough um all right let's talk comics is that good with everybody yeah, i'm ready um you, you've written a few pieces that i feel like we need to explore here okay uh we we've talked extensively about both the avengers and the enneagram on this podcast okay. and you wrote out uh the enneagram types of uh yeah. not only falcon and the winter okay. soldier but the rest of the avengers you're recently. gonna hold me to this all right let's well do it. i just feel like we let's need to it. unpack it a little bit i'm ready um, <laughs> did, did you, was this an existing article and you updated it for Falcon and Winter Soldier? I did, but it, okay. I've written it, I've written it all. Okay. So I updated, I was like, I updated my own piece. Okay. Cause I was like, as a nine pre WandaVision seeing vision as the nine, I was kind of like, huh, am I a robot? Like it made <laughs> sense. The more time I spent with vision, 
especially in that show. And he's somebody that I knew somewhat from the comics, but like, I was never like a huge vision fan. I know people are like really into him and I understand it more post that show and reading some of those books that it's based on. I call um, vision as a nine from the jump. Yeah. That was I the mean, original, that was probably the original. Right. So I got vision for, tattooed on the back of my arm. Ooh, oh, ooh, let's see that. Cool. Oh man. That looks sick. Oh, yes. Dude. That's Hell dope. Yeah. Um, Visual. It's a, it's a tattoo. But yeah, for, well, for listeners, yeah, maybe we can post cool. a pick or something. Extremely cool tattoo. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, for a long time, I was like, oh, the Avengers and the Enneagram this is perfect. And I was like, hmm, nine vision. How do I feel about it? But the more that I've sat with it, the more that I think you're right. But could you could you explain a bit? And now I was just going to say now it's a little different because Falcon is in there as a nine as well, which yeah. is like perhaps a more exciting choice for us nines. But yeah, talk about, I mean, what's your relationship to, to vision and, and then why you think Falcon is a nine to you? I would say vision. So, uh, vision was never like my favorite character. I don't, I don't think he's many people's favorite character, but I've, he always seemed like a very core part of the Avengers to me in the comics. I kind of grew up reading my dad's old comics, like the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would be the like bronze age comics yeah. and he was always in there. So I considered him a core part of the Avengers, even if he wasn't my own favorite. And his very the the sort of like referee role that he tends to play and a lot of yeah. like very aloof in in the comics very aloof very um kind of a, a mediator role uh, in a lot of times and that i think that's kind of uh, as is often the case in these sort of fanfic enneagram situations you don't end up with the one you want. You, you're <laughs> right. like, well, that, that, that would love to be a Captain America or, right. or an Iron Man or something like that. But but that's just not how the, the dice rolled. And I do think when I watch Vision, particularly in the show, in WandaVision, he reacted to conflict absolutely in a way that I feel mm-hmm. like I react to conflict in yeah. my marriage with other people. So that I had even before WandaVision, I had kind of listed him as a nine, but WandaVision felt like it was almost written by somebody who really understood nines and uh, affirmed the hunch that I had, I'd say, when I wrote that article. Totally. I think the show very much just fleshed out the like paragraph that you'd written about why he would work for that type. I was like, this, this makes total sense now. But as a as a bigger fan of Sam Wilson, I was psyched to see him listed as a nine in your piece too. So, I mean, similar similar traits there in terms of sort of uh, negotiating between different parties. But 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 talk a little bit about why you think he he falls there. Because because in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when the government comes to him and says we don't think you should have the shield, he says okay. <laughs> totally which is absolutely what i would have what i would oh, do you too. want this i guess that you know i haven't really thought about what i want but here you go. yeah yeah oh well i'm sure <laughs> these guys probably know more than i do about that yeah they would they would only ask if it was important so right uh, that, that was that was sort of the key for me and sure. um and i think that it was interesting. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I, I really enjoyed WandaVision. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm a little more mixed on as a series. My my like critical review is is I think it did some things really well. I think it did some it 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 failed in in some pretty important stories that it was trying to tell. I one thing I really loved about it 
was Isaiah Bradley, the yeah, older yeah. Uh, veteran who spent a lot of time in jail as the first super soldier trial who freed a lot of his I thought that he, that was uh, from Carl Lumbly, some excellent acting, such a good performance in a yeah. short amount of time on that show. Um, so good almost that it kind of made Sam Wilson's kind of like, oh, well, he's living his truth, but I'm going to be Captain America anyway. It felt right. a little bit slight because that moment hit so hard that the resident right, right, right. didn't hit hard enough. Yeah. Um, you have a museum exhibition now, so I guess everything's cool, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, see, it is like, does this yeah. museum exhibition have a check? involved or, or <laughs> do i get rent along with this yeah um, but the way that sam it seemed like continued to pivot to kind of agreeing with whoever he was in conversation with at the time and then it would take him time to figure out his own position mm. that to me resonated very deeply because yeah. i need to sleep on tough things before i figure out where i'm at and that's yeah. where it seemed like sam was at too and as a healthy nine, uh, spoiler alert, by the ending of the series, he's ready to embrace that yeah, shield. Yeah, he takes the shield, yeah. 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 Which so, I thought was, I thought his tra trajectory was pretty good. Yes, that was definitely one of my favorite yeah. aspects wish, of the series. I wish there were maybe minimum two more episodes that they could have fleshed out some stuff. I do feel like six episodes for all that they were trying to do yeah. was... A little much some stuff felt a little like like okay you guys can just fill in the gaps right like <laughs> you know what they were trying yeah. to do with flag smashers was just unclear and um you know uh at least within you know the 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 plot of the show with like sharon carter it's just like she didn't get like her own episode necessarily about like why she like like what's going on with her and and i keep waiting for and i i don't know if this is going to be fleshed out i want a a i want that blip series i want to see yeah. more maybe not even a series but like show us more like if they had like shown like what the chaos looked like yeah and why all the flag smasher people felt so disenfranchised that would have been so much more impactful than being yeah. like we're so mad it's like okay yeah. sh show us Angsty show teens. us yeah like i would have no. loved to have been like like the the absolute i mean they did a little bit of that in uh in, in wandavision but like i just would have loved to have to make, make that i feel like it, that would have made it a little bit more powerful because they're like like, are we supposed to be on her side? Whose yeah. side are we on? Are we on John Walker's side? Because I don't... WandaVision he... did a better job of it, laying it out than Falcon Winter Soldier did, which was ostensibly about the the fallout of the blip. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, like you know, John, you know, Walker sucks and they didn't, they didn't make me like him Oof. anymore. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, no, feel, no, 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 no. I, I feel like there was some stuff that I do... It did really like about it, but ultimately, like as I've thought about it more after the fact, um, I do feel like there. We did John and I did talk about this uh, on the pod, uh, gotcha. but like I just feel like there's so much more that they could have done that I think that could have made it a little bit. They could have tightened up a little bit in if they just had 
I don't know, a couple more episodes. Like, because with WandaVision, I feel like, I don't know, maybe that those first couple, two or three episodes could have been condensed into like, Mm. I liked how weird it was though. I liked going down those rabbit holes. I like it was, I liked the weirdness, but I feel like, you know, I, do, I I just I just wanted they, because they got those they got a full ten and I don't know I just I don't know I just <laughs> I just have to explain yourself to me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like <laughs> yeah the, the, I was WandaVision, very into Wandavision yeah, yeah yeah I just never felt like I got enough Wanda like in those episodes because they were like like oh, what is this like twenty three minutes it's like it never felt like it just always felt like you're just getting into it and I don't know. I just give want them the, to like give me split. The short, give me the short episodes. I'm all about it. Really? I was disappointed when Falcon and the Winter Soldier got a little bit longer. I like the bite-sized, like, I'll get I'll get up a little early. I'll get up 20 minutes ahead of time and just watch it before the day start. I liked it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, my the reason I preferred WandaVision is because I felt like it was doing something more unique to the the platform of tv like if marvel's going to move into tv what can we do with that yeah and it's not that falcon didn't do that because i feel like they're exploring stuff that they couldn't within the movies proper and and holding time for that at least yeah Yeah. but wanda was like let's use this medium of tv to tell some tv stories and i thought that was really cool um but speaking of wanda andrew scarlet witch is a four on this list do you do you resonate with this i mean she's moody and emo and sensitive has all kinds of past traumas like for for sure there's good things too (laughs) no like i I mean she's i mean yeah she definitely uh has that the 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 four aesthetic too just you know the physicality of like the darker more you know she's yeah i don't i i I feel I feel good about it. I I I'm trying to think of like what other fours there would be within within the MCU. Um, did I put any other fours on that list? I think that's the only one. Uh, that's that the one. only one. Oh, you're right. Um, cool. There's probably an X Man. There's got to be a four X Man. Oh, I think most of the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> They're very I mean, in their feels. Like a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the first, the first thing I thought, like, you know, and the internet is disagreeing with me. I'm like, is Wolverine a four? But like, I'm seeing like a lot of eights for him. Yeah. Sure. Um, Anything but I feel- is difficult. People just jump to eight on. I think that's this it's <laughs> right. reflex at this point. I think most of the new mutants, like magic is a four. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Danny Moonstar is probably a four. Uh, I know the movie didn't serve those characters super well, but it's a very important run to, to myself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. So speaking of X-Men, yeah, you also did an X-Men Zodiac calendar on Twitter. Whew, that was um, a while ago, but, <laughs> but hold me to it. That's all right. Well, I'm just I'm, fascinated. I'm, I'm a, I, I love the X-Men. Yes, yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm as do we. Big X fan. Okay, then we'll get into it. Um, did you did you try to align these with Zodiac? No. Okay, I know nothing like... about the. I know nothing about the astrology. <laughs> uh, I, zero thought was put into this. Well, I will say I remember my, this happened. 
my zodiac sign was Iceman, which again, at first I was kind of like Iceman. I don't know. Do I like Iceman that much? But then I'm like, hmm, this description, pretty good, pretty okay. al aligning okay. with a nine. So by the end of it, I was like, I could be Iceman. I'm into that. Uh, well, Andrew, you would be Rogue, which I think I, I could see that. Okay. All right. A deep, a deep thinker who loves helping others. All right. Okay. Yeah. You're able sure. to see without prejudice and help solve problems. I'm into that. Rogue rocks. That. Rogue is like Rogue rules. So She's cool. the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Rogue. she was very underserved by the movies. Oh. Um, I had I had such a crush on Rogue in the animated series. So she's uh, a babe. One thousand percent. Oh, she was a total babe. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, I was like, why isn't she the, talking? Like, come on, movie, I'm sugar. Like, that's what I wanted. And then the movie just didn't just did nothing for it. No shame, you know. I, I, but but it was the the whole movie was like, I can't kiss my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wish that they could have gotten into the whole, you know, Rogue and Mystique relationship and all that in the movies, but I guess maybe that'll be in a future X. Or taking Captain Marvel's powers and being a, just a, a total tank in a fight. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. It would have rocked. Um, well, I, I encourage folks to seek out this, this Zodiac calendar and, uh, <laughs> and see what you it. think. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Was, I was, I'm a Scorpio. Okay. Um, what did I, I don't even remember what I put for myself in that. Uh, let's see, what, what month is Scorpio? November. All right, November. Uh, so that October twenty third is November twenty first. Would that be it? Um, before. Wait, when is your birthday? Twentieth. <laughs> okay, so you are this. You're Wolverine, baby. Hell yeah! <laughs> That's right, Bob. Passionate, assertive, <laughs> determined, and decisive. This well, doesn't sound like a nine. Uh, I don't no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll seek the truth, no it's matter what. It's not a science. All right. <laughs> anyway, I. <laughs> Either way, I think this list is is delightful. Uh, thank you. Um, no. Okay. One one thing I'm very eager to talk about, which we teased up top a little bit, is that you did an interview with the writer of the X Men animated series episode yeah. about Nightcrawler's faith. And yeah. first of all, let's just talk Nightcrawler because I I he was my favorite growing mm. up. He 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 bamped his way into my heart from an early age, mm. and I love. <laughs> The show in the 90s, I loved that show, but I was disappointed that he wasn't a regular cast member when it launched. Yeah. Um, but then when they did this special episode, I was like, well, it almost all evens out because they they dealt with his character in such a great way mm -hmm. uh, in that little arc. Um, and I rewatched it actually just this week looking at your piece. And I was like, man, I still get emotional watching that. And this was like a Saturday morning, nineties Fox, Fox, Fox kids, kids yeah. cartoon. And I'm just like kind of floored by how meaningful the exchange that I mentioned earlier, but just the whole, I, I thought Nightcrawler came across really great in that little episode. I wish there would have been more of him, but talk about like, was that an episode that you always loved and how did you find this guy? Like, how did this, how did this piece come to be? Did you pitch this? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, yes. When I saw this as a kid, um it it was very resonant and i was pretty young obviously when i saw this but yeah it's weird to say that you that that you didn't i didn't feel seen in culture because i was a you know i was a young white kid so of course i saw sure. myself everywhere but you still don't feel you were i was sort of taught to feel that christianity was like outlawed but if anybody i was part of the era that at any day now they're gonna bill clinton's gonna outlaw christianity and they're gonna <laughs> really? throw you in the gulag and, and that'll be that 
and uh and so then i'm watching x-men and this nightcrawler episode happens and in the in this nightcrawler in the episode which is i think the only time nightcrawler really pops up in the yeah. x-men animated series uh he they find him in germany he is he lives with in a monastery with monks and has a I would say fairly extraordinarily rich theological conversation with Wolverine, who's kind of yes. pitched as like a doubting Thomas in this situation. And Nightcrawler is just effusive in his belief that the the infinite love of God can overcome all obstacles, which is what has endowed him with the ability to love the people who've cast him out of his German... In, in all X-Men series, the the mob is portrayed as sort of this, like, uh, these 1800s peasants with clubs. Yes. And right, they, yeah. they look very Dickensian and so they yeah. look like they're from the set of Les, Les Mis, <laughs> and, which is true of this series as well. It literally and have, Mike like, Crawler a log is... <laughs> battering ram, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> breaking down the door. They have, like, ripped like ripped clothing. They look like they, they're from the Beauty and the Beast extras. Exactly. Like they're marching yeah. up to these castles. It's Europe. There's weird stuff going on. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> and this is supposed to be the 90s. Right. But um but there are but but the the dialogue is really really rich and yeah. uh, um far what was was more thoughtful than anything i was getting from the stupid ass christian cartoons <laughs> that i was being force right. fed at that age deep theological meanings of mcgee and me yeah which, which were all about being nice and here yeah. nightcrawler is kind of talking about you know, the Odyssey with uh, yeah. Wolverine and uh, the why does God allow bad things yeah. to happen to good people and embracing that tension in a very, uh, like it was so from that, so I was a Nightcrawler, I was a Kurt Wagner stand from, from that then on for sure. Okay. And yeah. it just lived rent free in my head for a long time. <laughs> And at some point, I think, I think, uh, the, 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 I guess she's not the Atlantic, uh, Liz Brunig, the, the Catholic socialist writer tweeted about it. And I was like, oh, so this wasn't just me. There was more than one person out there who connected with this. And uh, given my work at Relevant, maybe there's a story here. So I, this was a case of me asking for forgiveness instead of permission. I went rogue okay. <laughs> and uh, just started. I did some Googling and found this guy's, uh, I think I found his Twitter and just reached out in the DMs. And he was more than happy to talk about it and ended up being a very, I really loved the conversation. He remembered it. This was 30 years probably after he had actually written that episode wow and uh he was he was he was really willing to talk about it and i remember him saying that he had at first written it with a a little less theology he he is now a he is a he's a christian man um and had written it a little more maybe dry and platonic and turned it over to the producers and they told him to go deeper. So they said, we really want to explore these tensions with him, which I, which now shocks me. I have a really yeah. hard time believing that because it's really hard to imagine. I don't think that's happening at Paw Patrol. I don't know. No. Like, I, I don't, I'm not <laughs> no. watching Saturday morning cartoons these days. I don't know what's happening. Maybe there's Chase, some really Chase good. Is not <laughs> asking Marshall why bad things happen to good pups. <laughs> But uh, I mean, this was like what 93, 94? Probably, like that, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, 
and I, I've also just loved that, you know, I love that Wolverine pushed back. Yeah. He's like, don't give me these easy answers. Don't you think Bob. I've tried? Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Don't do it, bub. He like, like, yeah. He's like, I've tried this. I've uh-huh. been down this road before. And I love that there was that dialogue where it wasn't just like Nightcrawler's giving him the answer and everybody's like, okay, sounds great. Like, But like showing like, you know, and, and like I, I love that. That gives depth to and humanity to both people where it's just like, that you get to see both of those characters sort of wrestling with like loss and Nightcrawler's not pretending like he didn't experience loss and hurt, you know? And yeah. Uh, and showing that like Logan was like, he was also searching for meaning and he, he's not like just some, you know, callous, uh, violent person that he was trying to reconcile his own past traumas. And like, I loved that. There's and that's just for a Saturday morning cartoon. Like I, oh, I've never just, seen really anything like it. Yeah. Since then, maybe Fleabag would be the closest thing I've seen since that's then that really kind of hit that yeah. same vibe of giving respect to both the the believer and the skeptic, yeah. and taking both of their identities very very seriously. Yeah. Uh, but but that was the first one, and then you have you also have Rogue Gambit in the X Men series who are who are a little bit tertiary. Gambit is is, is an apostate and is beyond redemption, and we yeah. knew that coming into the episode, so that's not a surprise to anybody. Yeah. And yeah. and Rogue is a little more; she's kind of going back and forth. There, you see all sides represented, yeah. in it. Um, but it's it's remains a pretty important episode of television for me even now as a, as a grown up and was very it was formative when I yeah. saw it in an important way. Yeah. What do we all think about a uh, spoiler alert? Uh, uh, Wolverine praying in the church. Yeah, at the end of the pro, pro that <laughs> because well I, I want to give our guests the chance to answer but i wanted to jump in and just say quickly i love that it, so it has this ending where as we said earlier wolverine basically asked nightcrawler how could a good god make bad things happen to good people like with me and and nightcrawler's answer was our ability to understand god's purpose is limited but we take comfort in the fact that god's love is limitless and he kind of like that form of evangelizing to wolverine is this like sort of persistent gentleness and like he does not go after Wolverine but he kind of meets him where he's at and at the end of the episode he gives him a bible that's marked with specific passages that he thinks will be relevant to him and you could see this kind of character dynamic played out in maybe like a focus on the family uh Christian narrative in a way that would be a bummer but in this case what it does for Wolverine is like by the end of the episode he's in a church uh, praying with this bible so I'm like that doesn't mean now Wolverine has accepted Jesus as his personal savior and whatever, but like, it does mean that he's had a profound, um, that that interaction meant something to him. And so I always responded that like, that's the way to sort of share faith in the sort of, um, loving way that Nightcrawler did, but I don't know. What do you think, Tyler? I, I think you're right. I, I think that I, I even remember this. I remember that. So the first time I'll, I'll try to make this make sense. I think at Relevant, we wrote this like very short uh, kind of like throwback uh, uh, 
uh, we, we call them slices, just a really short piece about like, Hey, remember that time Wolverine became a Christian on the X-Men <laughs> episode and like a clip of it in there and whatever. And right. <laughs> then I went and found the, the, the writer, Len Olhey is the name of the, the author. And we were speaking and he pushed back on our assessment. He said, I, he said, I don't think Wolverine became a Christian in that I think that his interaction with Nightcrawler kind of opened him to the idea of a spiritual reality that was meaningful for him, but did not, but it, it just showed that he is in a, he is, he was willing to continue on a journey himself, not necessarily that he had arrived at a ending point. And that was a really great edit for me mm-hmm. um, that I thought was really important and was absolutely true when you right. actually watch the narrative without any preconceived biases that I bring in as somebody sure. who was raised in which every spiritual uh, 20 minutes, any spiritually themed 20 minutes has to end with somebody praying the sinner's prayer, <laughs> right. uh, which that kind of shows my own like predisposition to, well, there he is. He prayed the prayer, letter of my being, the story's over. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yes, I absolutely agree that it kind of showed a, that maybe he had, gone through some a little bit of a transition or found something at least momentarily meaningful in the christian faith but had not necessarily converted or anything yeah i i encourage folks to to find this interview because i i really loved hearing from this guy he also wrote for gargoyles which was another personal favorite of mine and awesome it's still (laughs) it holds up check it out on disney plus if you haven't watched it since then because another show that really deals with some some complex things amazing um so good um i want to say one thing before because i was hearing i was hearing a transition there john but i wanted to say (laughs) one thing and and for 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 me as someone uh who is you know in a in a (laughs) Uh, I am an apostate, uh, unlike you know, in in a similar You're very way. Gambit. I'm very gambit. You're always calling the share. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm always you know saying smart ass things and and you know and, and shrugging about it. Um, uh, but, deck of cards, just throwing yeah, it deck of cards, just blowing yeah, yeah. blowing things up. It's cool, it's so cool. Yeah, just, cool. Oh, Gambit's God, so he's, cool. He's so cool. <laughs> he's so cool in his nonchalance. And like, yeah. who doesn't want to be like him? Still, trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> nothing trench weird about coat. that. <laughs> Little weird head uh, covering <laughs> thing. Herb, like a guile <laughs> yeah, yeah. Street Fighter. Yeah, uh, right. Dude. Anyway. <laughs> black soulless eyes or red <laughs> eyes and i can't remember what his eyes color but they're like just yeah. like dark but anyway the one thing that i appreciated about nightcrawler and that interaction with it with with wolverine in a way that you you talked about like how in in a focus on the family or like a mcgee and me sort of situation that the that there there is would be some understood like there'd be like some sort of transactional like uh, thing taking place where, you know, it's like there's this expectation that they would become a Christian, but like I never got the under the the I never thought like that if Wolverine didn't pray or didn't become a Christian or didn't change, like I never got the impression that Nightcrawler would not care about him anymore. That's like, tr- like that's a good that point. There, yeah, that there's not an expectation yeah, yeah. from Nightcrawler for Wolverine to do a, a certain thing like does does nightcrawler want there to be some sort of understanding of on wolverine's part uh, uh of god's love and to and experience healing like sure like like nightcrawler wants that for himself too but like it's not like 
uh, he would be disowned, like that Nightcrawler wouldn't want to have anything to do with Wolverine. And so that's something that I appreciated that that was communicated to me through that that episode. I, I think that's that's really there is a I, I if you don't mind me hawking uh something that's only that's kind of tangentially related here yeah. uh there is a current series that just issue number two just released so if you want to get in, in on it you can um but it is called the way of x it is written by cy spurrier and it is about nightcrawler trying to find out uh, trying to create a it, see if if religion works for mutants since religion uh, comes from humans is cool. there a version of religion that works for mutants and and this is a hmm. as somebody who who reads a lot of comics and is especially interested in religion and comics it's sort of my intersection of interests this one really works Cyspirier, a, a really phenomenal wonderfully uh, intellectual comic book writer uh, taking one of my all-time favorite characters and exploring the thing that I'm most interested in about that character. If this part of the conversation intrigues you, then I would encourage you to go check that out because it is so two issues in. It's been very, very fun to read this. Is this That's on awesome. the, uh, the is this on the uh, Marvel Unlimited app? Not yet, but it will be. Not yet. Okay. It, they're like th- I think it's like a three month situation before they start hitting there. So you got to wait just a little bit, but yeah, all right. but you're getting there. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say about the kind of what you were saying, Andrew. I mean, the the thing that strikes me about what happens with Wolverine is like, this is a guy who's lived 100 years or whatever. And I'm sure he's had all kinds of different moments of interaction with God over that time. And obviously what comes across is that he's cynical and weary. Yeah. But like, obviously, that's what makes it powerful is he's he's not saying, you know, you gave me all the answers, Nightcrawler. You're the best, or whatever. He's like taking classic Wolverine. Yeah, this like meaningful interaction and ending in a place where you're not totally sure. But it's like, as someone who no doubt has like yo-yoed along what he's thought about God and the universe over that century, it's a really yeah. profound moment that that's kind of where we find him. So I I like that for his character specifically that it's like not this definitive moment, but it is like even through everything he's been through and seen, he, he finds himself back here because of this interaction that he had. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. man, what, what a good uh, episode of nineties kids TV. And thank you for uh, unpacking it for us. All. Uh, of course. My, like I said, rent free in my head. So always down to, I can deliver a <laughs> Ted talk on it at the drop of a hat. Uh, that sounds great. Um, Andrew, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the X-Men and Nightcrawler kind of like friends of humanity thread so i want to talk about a couple things um that being one of them the sort of almost like a neo-fascist white supremacist some sort of nationalist organization but also um you had talked about in one of your recent um cape town episodes talking about captain america and um, the, you know, planting yourself like a tree along the river of truth and saying, no, oh, you yeah. and how I'm seeing that line sort of usurped by right wing uh, people. And um, so I, I, I kind of wanted to have this larger conversation about ways that comics 
and especially a lot of Marvel comics have uh, and Marvel characters have talked about um, extremism um, and fascism and othering people and the outsiders versus uh, the weaponizing of fear. Um, and I, you know, there's definitely a lot of that within Captain America. There's some of that within, you know, you look at the X-Men in, in this, in this um, Friends of Humanity, how it's like this, this, oh, it sounds like a really great group. You know, the, how they, yeah. the, the, poli- yeah. the politics uh, making that like, a, it's a politically expedient way of like to name something that sounds great, but it's truly, you know, it's actually a monstrous thing. Um, and I, so I kind of wanted to talk about like what sort of lessons uh, are peop- can people get from comics that maybe they're not l- totally picking up on because it's like some of the, that seems pretty clear to me. And have you also seen, I'm specifically seeing this uh, getting back to Captain America um, within like the Jordan Peterson community oh, sure. of people, yeah. especially now with like the whole Coates run of Captain America and essentially just like making Red Skull uh, a, a sort of a JP Jordan, surrogate. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and how they're like, I saw one article where people, somebody wrote that like this line, this like plant yourself line could have been taken directly from a Jordan Peterson book. And, oh. and it's like this definition of like, who defines what truth is, you know? And I know this is like just like a sort of like long meandering uh, cluster of questions, but I, I kind of wanted to like get some of your your thoughts on on all of these things. Sure, sure. Well, I something I wrestled with quite a bit um, because I think that Marvel comics in its um, infancy and maybe even in its glory days. And even still until today, and a lot of the writing is pretty subversive in its, in mm. uh, its, you know, the, the X-Men have always been very explicitly, however, uh, poorly utilized a metaphor for uh, ostracized groups mm. in the U.S. and in the world. And sometimes that's been handled better than others. I think sometimes it's been used, utilized downright offensively, but that has been the the ultimate goal behind it same with people like spider-man um and i think even characters like the black panther have been you know at the time when black panther was introduced as the first uh black superhero in mainstream comics uh the idea there was an there was a secret african nation that was far superior to anything that in the united states was fairly that was a fairly controversial it was so controversial in fact that the uh, <laughs> evidently early drafts of the Black Panther's costume showed more of his skin so that you could see that it was a black man under it. And the rumor is, which has never been confirmed, but the rumor is that the suits got nervous and pulled the, the at the last second, said that mm. the, for the cover, the entire costume had to be, had to cover his entire body because otherwise there were people would get too upset. Um, and even back, to, although that's Captain America comics number one, uh, the, 
the U.S. had not yet entered World War II. It was considered too controversial to enter into the war. And then Jack Kirby uh, puts yeah. out this comic with Captain America punching Hitler in the face, and they yeah. got death threats about this. So I think that the at its roots, you have a pretty punk rock aesthetic to a yeah. lot of Marvel Comics uh, energy. But anything that is popular, and we see this over and over and over, is going to be co-opted by the mainstream and the rough edges are going to be sanded down until they kind of fit. And that's certainly what we've seen, particularly since Disney bought Marvel. And I say this as a fan of the Marvel movies. I like a lot of them. And I think a lot of the creators there have fought for some fairly interesting social ideas to be placed within those, particularly, obviously, Black Panther. Um, but I think that you, no matter how much individual writers may try to introduce some sort of subversive ideas to captain america as somebody who maybe doesn't agree with uh the current you know the ongoing administration or or with capitalism writ large or the cia Mm -hmm. or the pentagon no matter how much people try to write that into the character even marvel is not bigger than the american narrative and that is ultimately going to be swallowed up by people who like to wear shirts with the shield on it or cops with the punisher badge or uh and the the nuance is just not going to survive these cultural narratives that we build for ourselves and i think that's really unfortunate because i do think the stories themselves have a lot of power to redirect the myths that we tell um but unfortunately we're we're fighting against a an extraordinarily powerful mythology that that can swallow up even even something as powerful as disney uh and and can beat it sort of into its own well because i don't want to wear a cap i love captain america i don't want to wear a captain america shirt to the gym like are you kidding me like i don't want, i don't like what that says about me like what people are going to assume about who i am because of that i don't want to do that so, so that's I, I guess that's where Jordan Peterson's monomyth idea is is uh I think it's I think it's very stupid but <laughs> I think it is um true insofar as it's what we in America have learned to build our world around and we will squeeze any characters we have into that by hook or by crook whether or not they actually fit in their original intent. Hmm. I'll tell you watching Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson fans get big mad in real time uh, over that comic. I was just like, <laughs> it was giving me life. Like when Jordan Especially Peterson's Tanahazi isn't even online, so they can't, there's I no know. manager to complain to, you know, <laughs> just like Jordan Peterson's like literally like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. And it's like, not even for a second. Did these people think if my, ideology can seamlessly transition to like like this horrific supervillain yeah it's it's like that principal skinner like meme it's like (laughs) it's like 
am, am I wrong? No, it's, it's them. They're wrong. It's like, right. No. Or that, uh, what's the comedy sketch, the British one where he's like, are we the baddies? Like yeah. the Nazis yeah. are asking themselves. Yes. That. Yes. Like yes. A yeah. Brief, like a brief, like that moment of clarity that you just have. Right, to right. Yeah. Hold on. Am I red skull? Maybe not where I want to be. Come on. You're almost there. You're almost you there. See it, you see it like every, you see it like twice a year when somebody listens, like somebody realizes rage against the machine is not on their side anymore. <laughs> right. Right. somebody gets somebody becomes the main person of the day on twitter because yeah, like, yeah. i wish rage were to stay out of politics like, <laughs> right. and it happens yeah. every day and and yeah books. yeah yeah and then it's, there's the it, they ask tom morello it's like what do you what do you know about politics like let's see well i'm pretty sure he like went to harvard and like <laughs> like got like some sort of degree in like political science and like so think he's think he's all set yeah yeah right. what did you think what did you th- what what machine did you think we were raging against <laughs> right, the, yeah. the, the dishwasher right um i will say that i give a little bit of credit to the the two disney shows so far for leaning I do further too. into i do too social issues than i expected yeah. and maybe yeah. the show has become a bit of a place where they can explore that stuff because even if as we're saying some of falcon and winter soldier was like a little muddled or maybe not uh quite there um i didn't expect it to touch on all the stuff that it did they definitely uh, tried yeah they tried which is, which is a big deal i, I i'm right. serious and that like yeah. like i would say they tried and that to me was surprising they tried in ways yeah. i wasn't expecting they they threw the american the u.s military under the bus and yeah you don't see that from a lot of mainstream like tv right yeah, especially on Disney Plus. Nope. Um, but yeah, one thing we talked about on the pod before the show launched was the history of sort of like uh, Flag Smasher and the comics uh-huh. and these different characters that yeah. were in Cap's orbit. And we read the uh, the panel from I think it was a 1968 issue, which is like obviously a very volatile year in the country. But that's where he he fights Flag Smasher and he says um, he's got a speech about you know, uh, America is made up of a multitude of different ethnic groups, each of which has had its own part to contribute to our American culture. Be proud of our heritage, but never let that pride make you forget that beneath it all, we are all human beings. So anyway, just this like, don't let nationalism blind you from what we're like trying to do as humans, um, which is like a, another, as you're saying, kind of subversive thing for this figure who's supposed to represent America to be saying in the 60s. And we were kind of like, what what energy around like Flag Smasher and this ethos is going to make it into the show? And I was kind of surprised that a fair amount of that sort of did. So it, it really did. Yeah. And I think it was. And I think the the plant yourself like a tree by the river of truth. Like it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty beautiful speech. But I think that it is important. Well, the, the, it's what I was talking about earlier. Like I find my, it's very easy for me to idealize people who are who have that moral conviction that I feel like I just never really had that, yeah. that this is right and this is wrong and I'm going to do what's right no matter what. And I think that you can find people inspiring and even sort of clarifying without then deputizing yourself at it. And that's what I, I'm never going to listen to anybody else ever sure. because that's what a superhero does. Like, I think it's good to have moral convictions about things. I think it's good to speak with moral clarity. I think it is bad. And I think sometimes the comics are willing to explore the idea that it's bad, that that Captain America doesn't really listen to anybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, 
I think that's kind of a, a problem with uh with a number of heroes, especially someone like um Batman, you know, someone who has yeah. like I mean, I know John, you're 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 a Batman fan, but like it's a cool shirt, man. It is you get the Batman yeah. animated series t shirt, it's cool. I wish is I had that, one. Yeah. Is that new? <laughs> I've had it for a while. Okay, it's cool. I wanted to bring I, it out tonight. It. Yeah, man. Um, I appreciate that. I should have brought. Anyway. I got some superhero shirts. I should have put one. I don't know. <laughs> I got the tattoo. Uh, we're, yeah, we're yeah, that that counts. <laughs> but you're saying yes, Batman can be a complicated figure along these lines, Andrew. Right? But he can be pretty yes. fashy, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, a white billionaire beating homeless people up. Yeah, not yeah. always great. Yeah. yeah, and it's also without getting too much into the weeds of of DC stuff. It's actually one of the, like it's one of the reasons I'm not especially looking forward to this new Robert Pattinson Ooh. Batman because disagree. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, counting down the days, my friend. Okay, well, here's what I'll say. Just based on um the the trailer, it's like I I like do we need like another even more gritty Batman, yeah. like mm-hmm. who's like literally like pummeling yeah. some dude's skull to nothing. Right. And he's yeah. like, I am vengeance. It's like, like, aren't you supposed to be a detective? Like, <laughs> like, and you're just like beating the shit out of someone like mercilessly. And it's just like, like, there's like, and of course that's a trailer, maybe supposed to get people hyped up. But like, I'm just hoping that there's a little bit of like nuance and how, and that like he's just not like punching his way out of like literally everything. And and it's one of my criticisms of DC properties is that what Marvel has figured out is that I just feel like DC, with the exception of the new um, Suicide Squad that's going to be coming out, like DC seems to be a little self serious. And oh, like MC, sure. the MCU has figured out like, you know, because uh, I was talking with one of my friends recently about like phase four stuff. And, and he's like, yeah, because some of the stuff looks really fun. And I was like, yes, fun. Uh-huh. Like, n- I, like, I'm not like, I'm not this new Batman movie. I'm not like, oh man, that looks really fun. Like there's just <laughs> like, there's like, I'm, there's like a level of excitement for me with like some of the, this, this new stuff coming out in MCU that I'm like, Oh, this looks really. This looks like I'm like excited, and then like, but this the, the the new Suicide Squad one. Like, I'm like, oh, there's a fucking shark guy. That guy looks. <laughs> <laughs> looks fun. by Sly Stallone, for God's sake. I'm like, cool. that great. does look fun, and like that does look exciting. In in in. Yes, I I 100 agree that especially the Snyder movies, they're just too they they. Marvel has allowed themselves to build a world where things aren't quite as serious. So it lowers the stakes enough to where you can kind of just buy that all of this is happening in a world where maybe it makes sense for a guy to put on an American flag outfit with a shield and go out there and sling the shield around a little bit. And DC hasn't quite gotten away. Somebody would do that. All, All I would say is I really do trust in Matt Reeves as a director, as a filmmaker. I think those apes movies are just phenomenal. I really love his yeah, apes trilogy and he sells the idea of a planet of talking monkeys 
<laughs> with seriousness that just works there. It's so emotionally compelling to me, the, those movies. And, and I think that if he can bring that energy to the Batman, then I'm, I'm very interested. And I think they could be, I, I remember I was reading an interview with Pattinson about this and he said what drew him is he never wants to play a character who is obviously a good or bad guy. And if they can pitch the idea that Batman beating some poor random, like, you know, struggling person on the streets halfway to death as being maybe not like the morally correct thing to do in that situation, then I'm very interested in seeing where it goes. Yeah. From Matt Reeves, not yeah. from Zack Snyder, not not even from yeah. Christopher Nolan necessarily, but definitely right. from Matt Reeves. Here's what I'll say briefly as a Batman defender. Uh, <laughs> Batman 89, the Tim Burton movie, and then the Batman animated series are sort of my platonic ideal for Batman. I feel yeah. like they both balance the scary stuff and the fun. And I love the Nolan trilogy in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's great filmmaking, but I do agree that at times it loses the fun, Andrew. Mm -hmm. And then everything that DC has done <laughs> post those movies mostly has been trash. Like that Zack Snyder is the guy with the keys to the kingdom and he's just not a very good filmmaker is what bums me out more than anything about all of it. That I'm like, these aren't how these characters are supposed to act. Like mm -hmm. you can't introduce Batman fighting Superman that takes decades of, you know, whatever. <laughs> so all right. this stuff, I, I do think Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman is really good. I'll say that. Um, but, and if you want fun DC, the Harley Quinn animated show is really good. I'll say that too. Um, it, it's kind of amazing. It's Actually, really, yeah. At first I was like, this is funny, but kind of dumb. And by the end, I'm like very moved by where the it's, characters it's, go. It's a, it's very thoughtful. It's very, yeah. good. really good. So anyway, I do agree with you ultimately, Andrew, here's what I'll say. Going through this like DC universe thing and seeing my beloved Batman tarnished sort of made me like throw my hands up and be like, I can't control what they do with these movies. It's just like the comics where some of them are good and some of them are bad and some of them are mixed. And like, what I will say is I totally, I, I cringed when the climax of that trailer was him beating the shit out of that guy. Yeah. But do I think this does look like an interesting version of Batman where maybe the detective element will be a little more in there? I, that is exciting to me. So I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I'm in yeah. much more intrigued by that than anything we've seen since like Dark Knight probably. All right. Well, you're you, both you guys are <laughs> convincing me a little bit that like to maybe be a little bit more optim cautiously optimistic about that it's in better hands than than other properties. We'll see. In. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. I'm ready to be main, <laughs> The main thing I'm excited about is something you, you sent me first a while ago, Andrew, which is that they just announced this week the new Batman animated series. Yes. Uh, it's oh, yeah. called Batman Tim, Cape Tim's Crusader. In, right? yeah, yeah, Bruce, Bruce Tim from the original animated series, J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves are doing a noir-focused Batman animated series, which just like, I don't know, I just like... Passed out when I read that, um, so very excited for that. And I think that could hold that balance of of the fun and the and the serious that I'm hoping yeah. for. Um, Tyler, you've been very generous with your time. We have a lightning round of questions that we will get to, but okay. first we do have a who would Marvel characters' favorite CCM artists be uh -huh. question we need to explore. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, break okay. it down for us. All Andrew. in. Yeah. All right. So I have intersection. I, I have my. These are just sort of uh, uh, six kind of random characters who I thought would be 
interesting than would give some diverse answers. I have some ideas. I have my own ideas. I kind of wanted to see where you would go with this. Okay. But let's start okay. off with uh, MCU characters, favorite CCM artists. Who would Captain America's favorite CCM artist be? Okay. I think he'd be pretty old school, right? So yes. you'd probably be going back to... I mean, since he can't, since most of the, you know, there's no barbershop quartet CCM artist or <laughs> right. anything like that. I'm going to go with like a, like maybe an Andre Crouch type guy, okay. like somebody who's pretty traditional, the, the gospel choir would make him feel kind of new, but, but it would, yeah, I think Andre might be the move there. I was yeah. trying to think, I'm like, is there something that has like a, like a, like 30s sort of like jazzy big band even like I mean the, the like I couldn't use think... that no way it'd be maybe the Gaither Swing. vocal trait you know I was gonna but, say the Gaithers yeah, seem like the a potential good fit yeah um you know I I didn't have a solid one I I threw down um I was looking for something sort of like in the more chill element sure. I went with Cademan's call as something maybe a little uh, bit yeah. more it's just, but I have a question mark. I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't feel very good. I think you'd have to go pretty old. I don't think yeah. it'd be CCM. I think it'd be like Larry Norman, if, if even that, you know, I think Larry Norman yeah. might be a little like radical for Captain America, Steve Rogers. Fair. He listens to, he listens to a lot of big band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like that line in Falcon Winter Soldier when Bucky was like, I listen to music from the forties <laughs> when somebody was like asking about something modern. Anyway. Um, what about Nightcrawler? Um, I think, I think actually Nightcrawler, so Nightcrawler, we've talked a lot about his like spiritual side, but he also in the comics traditionally has a very swashbuckling side. He very, mm. he loves like, uh, like the very dashing, like Gene Kelly, like, like those. So I think he has a, um, a very adventurous, uh, like very open-minded side of him that I think would lend itself to, um, I'm going to say somebody like, I'm going to go like kind of mid aughts indie, like, uh, like maybe, maybe arcade fire is a little too basic, maybe more like a Decemberists vibe somewhere okay. in that line, or maybe even go back a little bit to neutral milk. Um, <laughs> just somebody who would be, th that's not CCM. What am I talking about? Well, I'm trying to off. think what the CCM equivalent of those bands. I don't would know be. if that exists. Um, <laughs> CCM. So he would, so there's, it wouldn't be, I don't think he would do Gregorian chant. I don't think he would do that's well, not, it's I had, way too old. I had jars of clay because they incorporate some of those monk chants. Dashing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Especially then, in the early stuff. Yeah, like the first, the first. I mean, the first song, "Liquid," has I that like sort jars. Of... Yeah, I like jars. I think that that makes sense. Yeah, and I think there's he would like... be very into the the. I think you. I know this isn't quite CCM, but I think Mountain Goats would be very much up his alley. Yeah, he'd like that. You know, <laughs> nice. I know they they <laughs> he sings about Christian stuff, and I think yeah. John Darnielle and Kurt Wagner would have a very good uh, conversation. I <laughs> that think sounds would... like some fanfic I might have to write. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Um, yeah. What about Loki? Oh, that's a good question. Loki is probably not a big CCM guy, but <laughs> no. if he had to listen to, if he if he did have to listen, I think it would be. 
You know, I, I think it would probably, I think it'd, he'd go one of two ways. I think he would either go like early aughts industrial, like skillet, like the, <laughs> like the very, I think he'd be kind of into the weird, vaguely bindage, like, like which is yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. but I think he'd be, that would kind of like suit his situation. Um, or just like totally tacky, like, like, uh, um, like point of grace, like, like super <laughs> into the, che- the the cheese of it. I can so like that. he'd be he'd be like he'd be either like go something that like totally fits his aesthetic, or he would like you know throw on something and then someone walk in the room and he'd like quickly like change it. Yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he would. I think he would be to everybody else he'd be like i don't listen to the mortals music but when they uh, he he turn it back on maybe bump it up a little bit oh amy 100 percent, mm, amy green yeah i think that's i think that's the low-key situation he would love I it i love it he'd love dance it. into it the to christmas baby, album baby. for sure 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 for sure um uh, andrew i think he might be an an elevati fan elevate yeah yeah that's true uh, this is this is a band that we've discussed a few times on the pod recently, Tyler. They're like a Scandinavian folk metal band <laughs> with like violins and hurdy gurdies and Celtic vocals. And can you, um, can I get a link out of the? <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up. Okay. I'll but I'm definitely like, hook you up. What's the CCM equivalent to uh, Elevati? That, that's that's what he might be into. Yeah, there's. Anyway. I was trying to I was trying to look up. If I'm like, is there a Christian folk or Viking metal band? <laughs> And and there are some Viking metal Christian bands that sure. I've never heard of, but yeah. well, get them uh, on the pod. Okay. <laughs> um, Scarlet Witch. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Wanda is obviously going to be she's she's got a little bit of a goth energy to her, right? She's right. she's a little bit got that kind of darkness. Um, I. Th- think that it's twofold i think that around the company of others it is like a little bit of the alt rock like the the plum or the uh um but also be in that vein like just a little too edgy for caleb but not too but mom can sure. still listen to it okay um what was what was Katy Perry before she became Katy Perry? The, yeah, the there you Katie go. Hudson, yeah, right, right, that right. sort of thing. Okay, but then I think when she's alone, when she's you know when she's hitting the gym, then that's when she gets into the Blind Side, the Stave Saker, nice. the, that sort of. I think she's more than willing to go like totally hardcore when yeah. she's by herself to get the demons out. I was wondering if uh, you know because she's like has this love of sitcoms you know if there would be some sort of like you know she'd like have some sort of connection to more goofy bands like uh like calibretto 13 or five iron oh yeah um because you think about like you know like uh in the in the show at least they had they had that malcolm in the middle uh uh, style and then like you know they might be giants theme and like also with calibretto 13 the lead singer of calibretto went on to start a band called harley poe which is like more of like kind of like a horror theme to it which like also kind of fits in with uh with her maybe a little darker vibe i i think that she could also be if we're talking about like 
the sit coming through sitcoms. You have like Sleeping at Last, who is on Grey's. Ooh. Ooh, okay, and, and I like that. that. Could have been uh, that. Could be. I could see her getting really into that, especially her Enneagram Four side, getting a little bit more emo. Really into, yeah. So then you maybe got like May or yeah, uh, okay. forever. Oh and, yeah, okay. And that, that yeah, whole some thing. some of that early dashboard. Exactly. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're selling the Christian, like kind of vaguely Christian, like yeah. Mostly Christian because they don't say they're not Christian for Juliana sure. So like, theory. Yeah, sure. yeah, Juliana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One is like, they're not a Christian band. They're Christians in a band. <laughs> <laughs> That's her vibe. Is she, uh, she single? What's her deal? <laughs> um, Vision, bro. Ah, damn it. Um, uh, Bruce Banner, but then the Hulk. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> So Bruce Banner is going to be into Bruce Banner is a Cademan's call guy. <laughs> I think for sure. And then Hulk, I think, is the easy version would be he's like really into hardcore, you know, like to say he's the name of God pit. and all that. Um <laughs> but I don't know. Negative. I think it'd be more like I think it'd be more like the the like the post hardcore like showbread maybe. Nice. The, I like that that. thing. I think he'd be. I think that'd be a little more his vibe. Do you? Uh, um, you just made you just made one of our listeners extremely happy right now. Do you have a showbread stand on the air? Oh, yeah, multiple Meg. showbreads, but one in okay, particular. Okay. Meg, or yeah, she is the a showbread heads. She's yes. a she is show a showbread. She's a showhead for sure. Okay. We. I just pictured like. Uh, Hulk with the glasses on, like in the, <laughs> like at the show, just like nodding along. That'd be awesome. Uh, too cool for school, standing in the back. Yeah, he's got to be in the back. He can't go in the front. That's not fair. <laughs> okay, and last and last but not least, certainly not least, Okoye. Oh, mm. Okoye doesn't listen to CCM. <laughs> fair. We gotta. I mean, I, I, I would. I think she would enjoy it if she tried some of it. But, but oh, there's man. just no way, right? What kind of worship music is going on in Wakanda? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, what's the what's the Christian scene? They Hillsong is not made. <laughs> they have not no, planted there yet. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that has been permitted. They're not the getting Wakanda. past that laser shield for sure. Um, um, okay, Okoye. Ooh, I could see maybe the case for like uh maybe Kirk, you know, some Kirk Franklin <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, all right. Like, I see that. He's, he stayed he stayed pretty relevant all these years. He's been yeah. he's on today that new Space Jam track released with Little Baby. It, it's pretty great. Cool. I gotta say, it, it really it really rocks. Into it. And I think that I think that Akoya could be into the late. Kirk Franklin oeuvre, maybe. You can see that. Um, I, uh, in my mind, the the just like absolute intensity of her as a character. Yeah. I saw her as definitely metal. Like we're talking like Zayo, living sacrifice, and like and just like, and John, John and I were talking this off, you know, before you came on. And I was just like, I just envision her with like. Uh, earbuds in, like just like getting ready to, you know, uh, train or do something. Yeah, and she just like the, 
unflinching. Yeah. She's like, she's not like, and she's, she's just vibing. She's not like moving. <laughs> she's not like, she's not like dancing or getting pumped up. She's just sort of like taking it in and just like harnessing the energy of, of like, just like the brutality of these, of the music. And then just like, you know, I don't know. Love this I, for her, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just I thought about this like way too much. We were saying we need to make a video of this, <laughs> like the Dora Milaje, just like rocking out to some living that, sacrifice. That scene, that scene in Falcon and Winter Soldier where they're just like, just owning John Walker's ass. Just throw John Walker around like a basketball. <laughs> I know. They're just like, you're doing great, John. <laughs> that might have been the like, best what, line Sebastian Stan has ever delivered. Oh, one of my favorite moments in that in that whole yeah. the, all those episodes. Save, whatever my misgivings are about the show as a whole are redeemed in that moment. <laughs> I know, Excellent. just 100%. like just like getting tossed. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> sucked so hard. But all right, anyway, those were uh, okay. But we have a couple. Some other John has some other lightning right. uh, yeah. questions. Moving into the home stretch here, we're doing we're doing lightning round. Oh, I'm gonna I do go, a few. I can, I can go all night. We're good. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, bring them up. Bring them on. All right, I'm gonna do a few. Then Andrew's gonna do a few. Okay. Um, all right. Best Adventures in Odyssey episode: The Case of the Secret Room or The Search for Wit? Case of the Secret Room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I like The Search for Wit, but but it, but Case of the Secret Room was was pretty core to me. It was an important one. Um. Folks should listen to your uh, Good Christian Fun episode where you uh, talk about Adventures in Odyssey because I found that <laughs> deeply enjoyable. And I will say, like, again, I appreciated that looking back on it, like, actually pretty well-constructed uh, narrative there. Lots of surprisingly uh, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. You, you wouldn't, they, they, they're more craft than it needed. They were punching above their weight, I would yes, say. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, did you happen to ever hear of, and Andrew, I'm not sure this is something I've ever read up on the pod, uh, GT and the Halo Express? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got Come news on. for you, my friend. Yeah. My mom played Guardian the Angel. That's not true. <laughs> you true. are lying. Oh, man. I didn't think this information Your would... Your mom played... <laughs> She's no. Guardian. I used to go to uh, recording sessions where she'd be like, oh, GT, now, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> are you familiar with oh this, Andrew? Oh, my God. I have... I've like not. heard your mom. Yeah. And I've like listened to I I hear her voice in my head, right? I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. She uh, I she had didn't those do tapes. It. Awesome. This is I was a supporter of your <laughs> you know, your local industry there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Oh, that I, is that is wild. Wow. I have so rarely shared this bit of information and had it <laughs> register with anyone. So I appreciate it. I thought you might be a good candidate you know, yeah, for that. I'm I'm I totally know what you're talking about and I can hear her voice. That's <laughs> that's that rocks. You should have led with that. Sorry, I, I, maybe GT is more important than I realize. Uh, she didn't do all of them, where there were a ton of them, but she did like the early ones. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know what the connection was, but for some reason she was doing them at the studio in the Twin Cities with like a troupe. And huh? uh, I have to ask her more questions about that. Get her on the pod. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if, if you went over an episode with your mom and bring me in as a guest, I will move, I will be there. Sounds good. If you need the oral history of GT, my mom is available. I would love to. <laughs> Um, okay, moving on. Uh, this wasn't very lightning. -y. Uh, better Amy Grant Christmas album, Home for Christmas or Amy Grant colon a Christmas album? It's Home for Christmas, no question. Wow, I think that's a hot take. I gotta I say, yeah, not even close for me because <laughs> of because of sentimental reasons. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Okay. On the other hand, 
He is the holy one, king of kings of the night. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Alzheimer. Alzheimer. Anyway, both good choices. You can't go wrong. Um, okay, comics. More emotional MCU moment. Tony Stark's final scene or Killmonger's final speech? Mm, I'm gonna go Killmonger. I am because 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 Michael B. really j- just just a home run of a yeah. scene that, that uh yeah yeah I'm gonna go Killmonger's final speech. I like it. Even before Chadwick died, I would rewatch that scene periodically, like at work or whatever, and just start crying. <laughs> I think it's like so beautiful, and I love how they capture the characters. And yeah. I think he might give the best performance in all of the MCU, maybe. Um, anyway, it's filmed so well. It's just so like good. it's shot really beautifully. Coogler oh, really like it, it's a flex. It's great. In the same way that you're trying, that you're saying you trust Matt Reeves to do Batman yeah. well, there yeah. are so many questions about what will happen with Black Panther too. But I trust yeah. Ryan Coogler with anything, man. He'll do the. Right I don't thing. necessarily trust Disney with what's next, but I do trust Ryan Coogler with what's next. Fair. Hopefully, they'll give him the sort of carte blanche to do what he wants exactly. since he delivered so well with the first one yeah um okay more pump your fist in the air cheering okay. mcu moment uh-huh. cap catching mjolnir uh-huh. or spider-man showing up for the first time in civil war it's cap catching mjolnir for me yeah i i, I have a lot of love for spider-man's first appearance sure. um and i remember that very fondly when, we, when i saw that with uh with a buddy of mine here in nashville who's a big spidey fan um who was like i, I he was like crying when he saw yeah. it happen yeah but cap catching me on year for me as captain captain Rick kind of my, been like my guy for a long time so that was awesome i shouted yeah. in a movie theater and i don't do that very much but i did <laughs> shout a hundred percent cap is also my favorite marvel character well at least in the mcu characters we're not mm-hmm. counting nightcrawler and that stuff but I mean, there are so many moments in Endgame that could qualify for that, but that is the one that I remember the most, just like freaking out about. It. I mean, there's it's, you've seen it so on many your times. left. There's Avengers Assemble, but the catching the hammer. Yeah, it, I don't know. It rocks. It rocks. Um, okay, speaking of Nashville, one more for me here. More important Nashville venue: the okay. Ryman or Rocket Town? <laughs> <laughs> um, John, I don't think you. I don't think you said that. That right. Rocket Town. Rocket Town. <laughs> Uh, so I got a lot of love for Rocket Town and for all the good work that they have done there. Um, I do have to give the edge to the Ryman for the many great shows I've seen there. Um, and, uh, and, and also I don't think I have ever, I've been to a couple of episodes of church is what i was going to say that <laughs> that's what it feels like these days telling <laughs> uh, i've been to a couple of church services there that, that have not been particularly moving uh, <laughs> but i've been to the ryman with my wife for some shows that have been really like very special for us i saw isbel there jason isbel there Ooh. with liz and and that like changed me like at a molecular level you know that. I, believe I keep trying to sell people I was just in our our MagPod Patreon Discord today talking about Jason Isbell and how beautiful of a record Southeastern mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And and I'm just like, and people who are like a little bit more hesitant on country. And I'm just like, sure. But like understandable. It's, like I get it. Like, but like you get so much more 
with someone like Jason Isbell than you than you are than you do with just like your any like billion pop country people. There's just so much there there. Country barely works for what Isbell's doing. Like it's the yeah. right genre for him, but but I'm not somebody who would say that I, I like country. I don't listen to country music as Me a neither. regular, but I'll listen to anything Jason Isbell puts out for the rest of my life. No yeah. questions asked. I mean, and I seeing I, him live at the Ryman was a really special experience. I mean, the, I just like the Sturgill Simpson does something similar for me. Yeah, for sure. Just like they're talking about the real shit. Like, uh, you know, the, which is what the, country kind of used to do. I you know. know the Johnny and the Waylon and all those guys. It's, Dolly, it's also why I sake. love it's also why I love Irish trad music because they're like, yeah, they're telling stories. You know, it's 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 just there's just something beautiful about someone just telling a tale about, you know, their family or hardship or something that feels authentic or like someone like uh, Sturgill, who is like talking about like, um, you know, drugs opening up, <laughs> up his mind to uh, about things about God. And I'm just like, that's not your typical country, you know, guy from kentucky song you know no. so there's just no. it's anyway. not what you're getting from george Strait or the no. florida yeah. georgia line for sure <laughs> florida georgia line talking about like psilocybin <laughs> I, would, I would love to see that i uh i've seen isbel alive multiple times but to see him at the ryman would be truly next level it broke my heart to not be able to see any shows there while i was there i gotta go back and do nashville it's, right it's, it's pretty special man it's pretty um, special i'm looking forward to uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to going back. I've not been to a concert since things sort of kind of opening back up, you know, but yeah, same. But bought a couple of tickets to see Rustin Kelly in November down cool. there and really looking forward to that. Yeah. I haven't been to any shows either. Uh, I walked around the Ryman inside, which was cool. It's, it's uh, a really pretty venue. It's, it's really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and I went to the outside of Rocket Town, but did not uh, go inside. Yeah. Uh, just to post a picture to send to Andrew. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> the, song, the song is great. Yeah. Um, the Brave Saint Saturn cover of the Rocket Town song. Pretty, that's that's how Rocket Town became a staple of our pod is through that cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, but, uh, it's, uh, and I, and I, uh, I got it. It was confirmed through Reese that the only reason <laughs> that song is on that Brave Saint Saturn record is Rocket. That's the only rocket reason. In it. It had rocket <laughs> it's in spacey. it. It's spacey, so that's the only reason. It, there's nothing There's but nothing deeper it to it. You know what? That's great. It's a great cover. Yeah, it works. It's the only reason my parents have, have ever listened to Brave Saint Saturn, and that, <laughs> that has to count for something. Fair. All right, your All turn. Right. Okay, All right. I got some... Uh, Nashville specific question. Okay. Best hot chicken, Prince's or Bolton's? Prince's. That was fast. Yeah. Is uh I mean there there seems to be uh like you look at some lists and there seems to be some There's debate. Top three debates about, sure. you know, who's uh Prince's seems to be like the uh Prince's the is OG, the OG. OG Prince's and... got ripped off. Uh, when everything, when when the whole the the story about Nashville hot chicken is really fascinating, and there's some yeah. really great articles out there, so I will always rep for them because Prince has invented hot chicken. Um, but I also I do think that they do it best. 
it's it's you've got pepper fire which is very good i like bolton's bolton's is really close to where i live bolton's yeah. is the closest one and i'm there a lot but prince's is the move if you come to nashville and you want hot chicken prince's is your 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 first best choice you heard it here folks um a nebraska specific question yeah connor oberst or matthew sweet <laughs> connor connor were uh-huh. you were you ever much of a matthew sweet head he's sure. a yeah, I, like I didn't, he was not the scene I grew up in at all. And so like, like much, much later in life, I was introduced to him. It was later, but Connor was very foundational for me as a young, skinny indie kid. <laughs> like, you know, like a, sure, sure, sure. it was very, and I was just the right age at the right time. And I remember seeing, I was very much right. Cause I remember seeing him like, seeing connor and i we we don't know each other but i would see him like at parties and people yeah. would like talk like he's getting kind of big and yeah and uh and then bright eyes became a whole thing and bright eyes is, remains very important to me as yeah. uh, I, I think they're great so connor yeah forever bright eyes to the grave better ex-evangelical ccm artists which we alluded to earlier uh Derek webb or kevin max Ooh, you're making me pick between to me here. I'm going to say, I think Derek has been, has had a more, um, I think that he has articulated it sure. in ways that have been more closely aligned with my own personal journey sure. than Kevin's has. So I, I feel like a little more personal resonance with some of his yeah. sort of late works. And anyway, so it was for his recent, recent, uh, kind of dovetailing not back yeah. to evangelicalism but maybe back to some form of spiritual belief yeah i i think that he's especially a lot of the stuff that he's done around grief um yeah. i've i've appreciated that quite a bit and obviously it's hard to compare the Derek webb journey and the kevin max journey i mean nobody's journey is the same but like i think they're the one that Derek has been on for many years, uh, as, as, as I feel like as Kevin is kind of now only recently identifying with that term, but maybe still associating it more with the whole, maybe the larger scene and maybe not necessarily, I don't know if he considers himself like, you know, I don't know how you would identify it, but um, I'm still very interested to see, see where that goes. Um, You're looking for those bleeps and bloops. Yes. (laughs) Kevin's the way to go. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the stuff that he's done in recent years. Definite, definitely very into it. Lots of electronic beat bleepy bloopy stuff that I'm super into. Um, Okay. I have, this is, this is, Uh, my last question. So, um, this was sometime last, this must've been like a year ago, maybe John, I don't, I don't remember exactly. So we did a, I did, uh, have been doing a a variety of quizzes for John on the pod. And I did a quiz about obscure Marvel characters and, so three of them were real and two of them I made up. Okay. So I want to tell you my two made up 
Marvel characters. And I want you to tell me which one uh, sounds, you know, more interesting, more interesting okay. to you or one. So these that, are both fake. These are, these both, are both your own. These okay. are both my own. Okay. Um, I, I have pick my favorite from the pitch. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, object, objectively one, there's one correct answer. <laughs> there is a correct answer. I mean, just like, I think John and I both agree that we have a, we lean and I think it'll be pretty clear once I read the descriptions. <laughs> okay. But okay, so my my first one is a character I created called Shadow Mind. Mm-hmm. He is a nuclear physicist and inventor named Morris Alabaster, uh, <laughs> who was first introduced by Marvel in the late '60s as the creator of the superhero uh, Shadow Mind, rival to the criminal syndicate the Sundown, uh, partnering with college student Sam Jordan Alabaster fit Jordan a human with no innate superhero abilities with a mind control device that was implanted in his brain the device allowed him to view the thoughts of his enemies in addition to being able to temporarily control their speech and see through their eyes and that came in handy during fights when not all enemies were visible so that was shadow mind okay um and then captain radical uh Skateboarding enthusiast Alex Moore was attempting her latest stunt inside what she thought was an abandoned warehouse. While performing a jump off a makeshift ramp, she inadvertently activated a weapon that hit her with a bright blast of light. She felt unfazed after the event until days later, after a horrific fall that should have killed her resulted in no injury. A return to the warehouse revealed the group responsible for the weapon, the villainous Enterprise Black Mask. The blast made her bones extremely durable and her skin resistant to most forms of attack. This character was created in partnership with Marvel and the launch of the X Games in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. For so me, are, yeah. It's not even close. <laughs> it's Captain Radical. Wow. This girl is, this girl's a winner. This is a, this is She's a, got it. This, this got it all. A skate, an, an, invincible skateboarding uh it's like it's like if alex mack was cool like i love this wow all right absolutely shots fired larissa i feel like i picked the wrong answer by your i I can tell by your eyes i mean i I know how i feel and i'm not backing down from this i think this i'll take her if you don't want her i'll ride her you can have you can have whatever his mastermind or whatever his name was shadow mind yeah i'm seeing here on twitter huckabee commits to first run of captain radical series 100 uh, like, i'll draw it too i don't know i'm okay. not saying it'll be good but i've got i, I mean here in my I, head i feel like i feel like the 1995 artwork vibe and color scheme is like writing itself right now yeah like that People 90s that stuff it's coming that, back that 90s that 90s aesthetic um yeah i just i i thought i don't know maybe at the time i thought it just felt a little cheesy but um i don't know maybe I'm maybe it just needs it. it just needs I'm the right in. it just needs the right writer and someone with the vision uh to to bring to bring Bring it to life. I, I can <laughs> tell that you guys really like Shadow Mind, and that's great. <laughs> and that's you know, by all means, right? Shadow Mind. That's, that's we could do a crossover event down the road. You know, they, they, there's a little team uh, up, you know, a may, romance. May, I don't know. It'll be great. Maybe, you, maybe here's the thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe we don't need another gritty superhero um, 
in the Marvel universe. Maybe we do need someone like Captain Radical who's got that punk rock aesthetic mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. she's she's unafraid of uh you know hitting that hitting that vert. Yeah man. They've got the they've, they're building a nuclear bomb, right? A nuclear missile and they've got half of it down so it's just the bottom the bottom half and she comes it's a half pipe right it's a yeah, ready-made right. half pipe and there yes. she is bam she like skates down it and as she's going up and down she's pulling the pins out of the screws out of it back and forth <laughs> they're shooting at her can't get through the impenetrable skin the bullets right. bounce off of her so yeah. no problem there and then once she's through she does a little kickflip in the end lands and as she skates away, the whole thing just like in a like in a samurai move, it falls apart. Man, I think he sold me. I think I'm convinced. I think I might we be gotta, convinced too. We got to get the animated version. We can call up uh, Len Len Olhier or whatever. Yeah, he'll famous. write it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can have some theological conversations. That'll be yeah, great. for sure. She can be Christian. Next man, jo- I don't. We'll figure that out down the road. That's fine. oh man, this is perfect. All right. Well, our next meeting will be uh, planning out the draft of this. <laughs> um. Do you have any of the names of the characters there, Andrew, that you quizzed me on? I did because, and one of them was because this was this Flag was, Smasher was, was one Flag of them. Smasher. This yeah. was pre. Okay. Um, but if you gave this list, Tyler, if you heard this list, would you have been able to confirm that the following are all real Marvel characters? Let's see. Um, I would have known Flag Smasher. Um, okay. Screaming Hippie. No. Would not have known that. Um, so he also goes by uh, Angar the Screamer. Yes. David Do you know Angar? Angar? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but the Screaming Hippie was another was another name that. Okay. Um, but the, some of the. Uh, uh, I think this was also. You know what? This was this was also around when we were doing when we were talking about Brave Saint Saturn because. I it I said uh, subjected to technology brought to Earth from the moon Titan, uh, and you were unsure if that was related to if I was trying to like trick you by right. talking about uh, Brave Saint Saturn. Um, and then there was a uh, Doctor Bong. Uh huh. No Doctor Bong. Deadpool, right. a Deadpool character. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> the the I'm 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 curious. Does Doctor Bong come up much in more in more recent comics? Or I have not seen Doctor Bong in a minute, personally. <laughs> What's but, he up to? But during the during the very famous Joe Kelly run in the in the nineties, Doctor Bong was a regular. Okay. It, it was a very strange time, even by Deadpool standards. And Doctor a Bong. very fascinating origin story, Doctor Bong. <laughs> I think this is why I thought he was fake. <laughs> that his hand was severed by a mini miniature uh, guillotine when performing with the punk band Mildred Horowitz. It's oh wonderful. It's so it's so random and wild. Uh, like, it just sounds like it just sounds like one of those random word generators. Uh, and then he. Lost his hand, right? <laughs> by a uh-huh. miniature guillotine. It's like it, it just like yeah, they're just throwing darts at the board and saying, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. So uh, was that it? That was it. Those were my. Right. Those were right. uh, because obviously I did not Flag know Smasher. the screaming hippie. But if you had said Angar the screamer, I would have known that. Yeah. And yes, Doctor Bong. I've, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the exploits of Doctor Bong. 
All right. Yes. Wonderful. I, I can't wait to learn more about him. Um, <laughs> Tyler, thank you so much, man. This has been a really fun conversation. This is this has been really fun. I appreciate you guys talking. It's it's fun to chop it up about about things that are that are genuinely interesting to me. So thanks a lot, cool. guys. You're welcome back anytime. Is there anything you want to plug before you go? No, no. I I, I enjoyed this. Uh, I'm I'm easy to find on all the on all the socials. I'm the only uh, Tyler Huckabee. Uh, at Tyler Huckabee everywhere and uh, relevantmagazine.com is where you can find a lot of my work. Do have a sub stat coming out. Uh, probably w- I, I will hope to get it all ready to go within, within a week. Not sure when this is launching, but it may be out by the time that this publishes. So if you find me on Twitter at Tyler Huckabee, then, then you'll be able to subscribe to that there and you'll be able to read even more of my writing in the event that you would like even more of my thoughts and you would like the opportunity to pay for them instead of just seeing them on Twitter. Perfect. Look forward to that. Um, thanks again. We will uh, hopefully talk to you at some point again. I'll look for but, I'm, uh, I'm any, truly any time. This was really fun. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks so much once again to Tyler Huckabee, great guest, hopefully a past and future guest of the pod. Oh. Uh, great conversation there. Let us know what you think about any of the many things we talked about over at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't yet already and give us a rating or review. It will read, read your review on the pod. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. And we want to welcome a couple new Patreon punks this week. Oh, shit. Welcome Liam Hughes. <laughs> Liam is from Australia, coming down under. Oh, the... <laughs> Liam. I don't, know. I don't even want to disgrace him with this. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, we famously have amazing Australian accents. Yours, yours is better. Mm. Um, uh, you've got the you've got the Australian. Uh, I've got the Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> the two, the two important poles of any <laughs> any podcast endeavor. Um, yes, Liam, we want to thank you for spending your hard-earned uh, dollar dues on our <laughs> podcast. Um, and uh, welcome to. Uh, That's not a pod. <laughs> this is, is a pod. pod. Probably. Oh, we're probably we're gonna all. lose. Liam, don't don't cancel already. And I'm sorry. Unsubscribe. And um, damn it. Welcome also to Lee Clements. Going from sending those Lee mails to uh, to hitting up the Patreon. That's right. Uh, bass player, steady cam operator, all yeah, around man. good dude, Lee. Uh, so thanks so much to both of you for joining us over on the Patreon. Yeah, he was. Um, speaking of the Patreon, uh, we got. A lot of that content over there on the Patreon. Lee was uh, has recently joined, as as John indicated, and he was getting into a lot of that uh, that Patreon bonus content yeah. and some of our hot Primus takes. Oh yeah, and uh, talking <laughs> talking nine or the two thousands alt metal mm. uh, today on on Twitter. You know, so if yeah. you wanna if you wanna get in on some of that that uh that bonus content conversation, like Lee, hit up that Patreon. That's right. Also, Patreon punks have access to our podcast Discord, uh, which is truly popping off these days. I feel like I say that every week, but such a good community. It's growing more and more each week and more cool stuff. We started a uh, Patreon punk 
uh, Spotify playlist where folks are putting in some of their favorite jams. I think it's at like 15 hours right now or something like that. Anyway, yeah, somebody somebody was like, I forget who it was that was like, you guys should do uh, like a bonus episode where you go track by track. Yeah, I believe uh, Patreon Punk Caleb set the whole thing up and then was like, well, we got to put some uh, <laughs> some rules on this thing. Um, and he made yeah. a suggestion going through it at a certain point too. Anyway, yeah. lots, lots of fun to be had over on the Patreon. Um, also lots of fun to be had picking up some merch at mm. magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks to shadow producer, not guest permanent, uh, uh, team member, Jason at unoriginal <laughs> vinyl. And thanks to heavy ordnance studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll start covering goatee hook. X-Men. X-Men. Best best use of a bell in a theme oh, yeah. song ever. Man, that ending climactic oh. church bell. All running at each show. other. Hell yeah. Oh god. Fucking lightning just like over everything. So like good. nothing got gets nothing got like a nine-year-old, eight-year-old Andrew more pumped up. Oh yeah. Oh man. Debut October 31st, 1992, John. Talking talking that halloween Oof. 1992 that uh that nine-year-old nine-year-old wait no how old were you you were nine, uh, yeah. nine-year-old johnny yep getting that jubilee was running away from those sentinels and that was all in baby you're all in for more shows like this one visit rockcandyrecordings.com